Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I expect him to sell his tax plan a lot um, more, and, and which is, uh, in in his mind, I think the biggest achievement he's got um, so far. And frankly, it's something he hasn't done a lot of. Look, this is an opportunity. You get anywhere from 30 to 50 million people to tune in, depending on their level of interest on any given year. So this is certainly an opportunity for the president to message. But Willie, ask yourself: uh, in the era of Trump. Does a big speech like the State of the Union have any legs anymore, right? right. Is it going to have any lasting impact beyond the 12-hour uh, news cycle that we're on these days uh, of stories? You realize it's been less than a week since the government was shut down. Right. Right. Okay, and, and so ask yourself if this State of the Union is good. Will we even be talking about it on Wednesday afternoon? But I think you have to go back again. Will his base love it no matter what he says? They probably will. If he's very calm, if he's very positive, those who don't particularly like President Trump might look at that and say, what a great speech, but then they'll move on. Or they might say, look, he was reading from a teleprompter. Other people were telling him what to do. But I do think you'll see a very positive speech from President Trump. He likes being before Congress. You get lots of applause. But just looking at David Wright's piece there and what he was saying uh, when he spoke in front of Congress before and saying, we don't want to be divided, Things pass really quickly. Things move really quickly mm -hmm. in this town and in this country. And they might forget about that speech within a couple of days, even if they like it. What we know for sure is whatever Trump's, whatever the President Trump says, it'll begin and end that night and something else different will happen the following morning. That's right, morning. with a tweet. <laughs> and, and, and for 2018, what, what's your take on what? this speech will mean well look i think you know in this relentless news cycle it's i'm hard pressed to say that we're going to remember this speech right. uh, a few weeks from now uh we remember american carnage because it was so dramatically different from previous inaugurations but in the end trump actually is facing a big problem which is aside from I, I the tax wanna... reform what's on his agenda he's going to talk about infrastructure he's going to talk about national security he's going to talk about making the strongest security. military but in practical terms there's very few deliverables that most people expect that he and the republican party are going to be able to take to the voters uh, this fall. And so I think that's where having no real content, even if it's somewhat more reassuring, is politically means it might be a wash. Just about I think the seconds, Democrats sir. are doing something smart in having Joe Kennedy be, give the response, not that people pay that much attention Joe to Joe Kennedy the third. But he is, a, he's not only a Kennedy, he's young. And that's been a big rap against the Democratic Party, that their leaders are too old. And he's a young, attractive guy whose name is Kennedy. Okay. And he'll have a moral voice. And he'll use a moral voice, which I think is really important. To Fire and fury, spoken word auditions, take one. Trump won't read anything. He gets up halfway through meetings with world leaders because he is bored. Cut! Sorry, John. It's wonderful. It just feels a bit too smooth. I don't think it's going to work. No. Next! Okay. His comb over, semicolon... The color was a product called Just for Men. The longer it was left on, the darker it got. Impatience resulted in Trump's orange blonde hair color. Cut. Trump did not enjoy his own inauguration. He started to get angry and hurt that stars were determined to embarrass him. I definitely wasn't there. Cut. Spoken word, Cardi B. 
If Trump was not having his 6.30 dinner with Steve Bannon, then more to his liking, he was in bed by that time with a cheeseburger. Why am I even reading this sh I can't believe this. I can't believe that he really... This is how he lives his life? He reprimanded the housekeeper staff for picking up his shirt from the floor. If my shirt is on the floor, it's because I want it on the floor. Another one. It's we the best. It's DJ Carrot. Matter of fact, this is the best spoken word album in the game. I'm finally going to win my Cut. Grammy. So this is going to work. Next. It's not going to work. Everything I do works. Stand by. Take one. He had a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's. Nobody knew he was coming, and the food was safely pre-made. That's it. We've got it. That's the one. You think so? Oh, yeah. The Grammy's in the bag? In the bag. <laughs> Sean Jay-Z Carter came on our air last night, and he did the opposite of Trump. Huh. He came on, he was confessional. He was vulnerable. He talked about mistakes he made in his marriage. In his marriage. I yeah. mean, he, I mean yeah. he talked about, you know, his challenges as a dad. and I mean, he was so human and so vulnerable. And, you know, hip-hop is usually all accusation and boasting. <laughs> He comes on confessional, and then the, but the politicians are all accusational and boasting hmm. uh, Donald Trump and no confession from Donald Trump. So if you want to listen to what Jay-Z says, follow Jay-Z's model, Mr. President. He's, he's a strong guy. He's a rich guy, but he's willing to be confessional. He's willing to grow in public. If you do the same thing, America would be a lot better off. But it's unimaginable to, to think about President Trump talking about his marriage the way that Jay-Z did, talking about with challenges with Beyonce and going through marriages. the pain. Three marriages. And, and, and I asked Jay-Z, I said, why did you fight for this marriage? These celebrity right. marriages happen all the time. They break up. It's no big deal. It's tabloid fodder. And he said, she's my soulmate. And he talked about how hard it was and what he had to do. He said, I had to get down on the mattress, you know, and, and hear her pain. But it was worth it. I mean, it, it was a beautiful statement. You very rarely hear men talk that way yes. about fighting for their marriages. If you're going to talk about something, Donald Trump, talk about that. You know, talk about the fact that this guy is, is, is growing in public. He's changing hip-hop from accusation to confession. And you missed the whole point because you're worried about your ego and getting credit for continuing Obama's trend. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. That's a good intro. Let's unpack it. First, the media already saying the State of the Union is not even worth watching. There's nothing to say. I just want you to remember, this is the same media that said that there'd be nobody at Devos and Trump talked to a full room. And most of the booze towards Trump came from reporters. And the reporters are booed more than Trump. So let's just do the math on that. So make sure you got it. And of course, the second is Hillary. All right. And we have the Grammys, her reading the book. And that was Van Jones literally saying that Trump needs to be like Jay-Z. Remember, I'm not a hypocrite. I've said on the show, Jay-Z is a good role model for a lot of kids in this country, African-American youths in the middle of the country. Because he went from being a drug dealer to being a billionaire. But let's remember, Jay-Z stabbed somebody, <clears throat> Lance Unrivera, all right? As people said, this is peak stupid that people would even say, be like Jay-Z. How about calling bitches and hoes, okay? Hip-hop star Jay-Z opens up during an interview with New York Times T-Magazine about breaking or cheating on his woman, Beyonce, that most of the world wants to get up on. 
You know, most of the world loves Beyonce. I think she's a pretty woman. I don't want to get up on her. Not because she's black. I just don't find her that pretty that I would, like, cheat on my wife. But Home Skillet cheated on her. So much so, I was going to play the soundbite, but I don't play Beyonce on my show. The whole Lemonade album. There was 18 instances of them talking about the cheating. How about, get with Becky with the gay hair. Oh, what the hell? I can't even sing it. Here's the freaking stuff. This is from her album. So what are you going to say at my funeral now that you've killed me? Here lies the body of the love of my life whose heart I broke without a gun to my head. Here lies the mother of my children, both living and dead. Rest in peace, my true love, who I took for granted. Most bomb pussy, who because of me sleep evaded. Her shroud is loneliness. Her God was listening. Her heaven will be a love without betrayal. Ashes to ashes. Just to side chicks. So should Trump talk to Becky with the good hair? I don't know. How about his lyrics? 15 most misogynistic rap songs. It came in number five. You ain't no better because you don't be fucking rappers. You only fuck with actors. You're still getting fucked backwards. Then there's Big Pimpin'. I'm a pimp in every sense of the world, bitch. Better trust than believe them in the cut where I keep them. Till I need a nut. Till I need to beat the guts. Then it's... Beep, beep, and I'm picking them up. Let them play with the dig in the truck. Yeah, I was on beat because I actually, actually like that song. But, you know, I'm also not telling people I've lived their lives and who's a chauvinist or any of that shit. I'm just some guy. And then Hillary reading from Fire and Fury. I want you to just break down for a second. And, and we have a soundbite that's going to play it. Where could you have ever done that for, for Obama? When did any book come out that was actually... On a major network TV show. Where could you do that and get away with it? But Hillary, the very same week, as we'll find out, she buried sex, Me Too sexual harassment. She gets brought on to read out of the book and be all cool to a standing ovation. Hmm. Katie Pavlich, ah yes, a woman to reassign a female aide after she reported sexual harassment for a senior male st- staffer is particularly glorified. David Martosco. So let me get this straight. The music world showed up with Time's Up White Roses and honored a book whose, aud- whose author smeared Nikki Haley with a fake claim of an affair and cheered for a brief live reading by Hillary Clinton, a legendary enabler of sexual abusers. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. And then U2 came out, because there's so much to unpack in the Grammys. I could do a whole show on the Grammys, but I'm just paraphrasing everything, because this is like a week in review. I need to change the podcast to the Flyover Politic Week in Review podcast, because that's what it's turning into with this puppy. I don't have a life. Um, but they're speaking on immigration policy. The same band that actually shut or shoved 
album on your iPhone, which I don't have an iPhone. And some of the, some of the things they have here is because the system has failed to keep you, you two out is in desperate need of reform. And that's true. But Brian Seltzer and company, you two not settle here. The promised land is there for those who need it most. And they read from that goddamn poem. Somebody needs to go down to the freaking Statue of Liberty, grab that poem, and take a dump on it. Because the Democrats are just all up on that shit now that they don't want immigrant, they don't want any immigration reform. But they used to, like, want it and say we gotta close the borders, and I played sound bites of Obama, Clinton, Schumer, Pelosi, the world! Back when they were in charge. But not now. Oh, fucking hell no. They're going for the brown vote, so anything goes. So that was a big thing. And then you got a Cuban girl who goes over all the time. I just summarized this with the petulant left at the Grammys. That's a soundbite. But you'll hear the poem and a girl talk about it and more stupid shit and then we'll move on. Please welcome Kevin and I come in. Tonight in this room full of music streamers. We remember that this country was built by dreamers, for dreamers, chasing the American dream. I'm here on this stage tonight because, just like the dreamers, my parents brought me to this country with nothing in their pockets but hope. They showed me what it means to work twice as hard and never give up. And honestly, no part of my journey is any different from theirs. I'm a proud Cuban-Mexican immigrant, born in Eastern Havana, standing in front of you on the Grammy stage in New York City. And all I know is just like dreams, these kids can't be forgotten and are worth fighting for. It is my great honor to introduce one of the greatest bands in music. As precious as they are, stronger than any man I have ever met. And unto them I say, stand tall and crush all predators under the weight of your heart that is full of the love they will never take away from you. Be not scared to use your voice, especially in instances like these when you have the opportunity. Stand and fight for those who are not weak, but have yet to discover the strength that the evil of this world has done its best to conceal. To all the beautiful countries filled with culture, diversity, and thousands of years of history, you... And lastly, on the behalf of those who fight for equality in a world that is not equal, not just, and not ready for the change we are here to bring, I say unto you, bring us your tired, your poor, and any immigrant who seeks refuge, for together we can build not just a better country, but a world that is destined to be united. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door.
So the, that center section was some dude named Logic. I don't know who the fuck he is, but he had a bunch of dreamers on the stage, and he was virtue signaling. But I understand by the end, and, and I'll wrap up the Grammys with just a number. 21. 21% down on viewership. Oscars down. Golden Globes down. Tony's down. Every one of these things, America's not watching. If I would surmise this next, this whole podcast, is that nothing I will talk about America wants. We've already shown they don't want unfettered immigration. They don't want the dreamers just to be given whatever the hell they want. They don't want the government shut down over immigration. They don't want abortions after 20 weeks. They don't want any of this. But the Democrats don't care what America wants. They just care with what they want. They know better than America and so does CBS, who I would boycott CBS, but the only show I watch is the Seals. That's it. Seal team. I don't watch anything else over there. NCIS is boring, so I don't really watch it anymore. They can't really boycott them. That would actually hurt them. But no network could have done that bullshit. All of this was allowed by the producers of this show. CBS called off on it. And in a long tirade, because Dave Chappelle got in there, you too, with the section we'll have in our one section is about military, because we got this teacher that went off the fucking rails and proved my point that liberals hate us. They did a whole montage of this Kendrick Lamar, basically saying America is a shooting zone on back people. They did it in multicam. With American flags. American flag sucks. The opening of this show says America sucks. Soldiers suck. Everybody sucks. Because Obama's not president anymore. Sorry about that. Quick little shameless plug and before we go into our, uh, fire for effect. Oh no, wait a minute. I have actually something before I fire for effect. I'm sorry. I don't even know my own script. I want to go over the ratings. Uh, little, little, little do people know that 2,000 plays in the month of January. I was really surprised with that. 450 just last week. Uh, 121, 123, and 115 were very popular. Uh, United States led Japan. How you doing out there? Thanks, Japan. United Kingdom, uh, cities was Tokyo. Tokyo was my number one city. Konnichiwa. Thank you. I've been to Japan a couple times. Uh, it's a beautiful country. Japan and Korea are the two fallbacks if America turns into a shithole, because I love both of them. And yes, I'm a fat guy, and I love your food. That was for the week. For the month, top play track was one, uh, three. It's all blurry, sorry. Uh, 1230 end of year had, had, uh, 130 plays. Wow. And, uh, once again, United States, then Japan, then Lithuania, Tokyo, you led again. With, uh, 474 plays. Thank you, Tokyo. Then Auburn, Virginia. You had 258. San Francisco still hanging with me with 256. So that led the plays for the month of January. I'm going to do that each month to every one of you. If you hate me, if you like me, all I know is I appreciate you listening. All right. And once again, if there's something you want me to cover, Send an email to FOPPODCAST 
at gmail.com. Foppodcastgmail.com. That's all you got to do. And I'll put it in the show. And if you want to tell me I'm a flaming piece of shit, I'll read it on the show. Seriously, I'll read it. Don't care. Two other things. First, Sean Hannity, who I do not like, can't stand him. His account was deactivated again. So, you know, as we've been talking about the shadow banning, shutting off conservative accounts, it just doesn't stop on Twitter. That's why I don't tweet a lot. Um, I just tweet my podcast. But soon enough, that'll be fucking crashed. And then, of course, the abortion ban bill. Uh, I want to start off with Camelia Harris. The GOP has scheduled a vote on a 20-week abortion ban on Monday. Add your name to demand Congress votes down this immoral bill. Immoral bill. Let that marinate. Immoral to kill a fetus, baby, very large clump of cells with moving fingers. Okay? The fingers are moving. Sorry about that. It's no longer a clump of cells. Sorry. Then Kristen Gellibrand, she talked for everybody. If women made up 51% of Congress, do you think we'd be fighting to protect a woman's right to choose? Do you think about that the Senate would be voting on a dangerous 20-week abortion ban? Absolutely not. Mobot. Cover all the time on the show. You don't speak for me on anything, especially abortion. Let's try that, but with 51% of them pro-life. Because every woman believes in abortion. These are all women. Wrong, 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 wrong. Side note. Side note. Did you know that the age of viability is 23 to 24 weeks in a pregnancy? Did you know the earliest baby to survive a premature birth is 21 weeks? One week. You do not speak for all women. And then the truth came out. Considering that Americans are guests second and third trimester abortions, yes, I bet Congress that was 51% female would be discussing it. Alexander... DeSantis, I'm sorry, Alexandra, a woman. Recent marriage polling shows that two-thirds of Americans support a 20-week ban on abortion, including more than half of Democrats and pro-choice voters. 78% of women want abortion limited to the first three months of pregnancy or cases of rape incest to save the mother's life. Katie Pavlich, the vast majority of Americans, which includes most women, believe abortion should be illegal after three months of pregnancy. You are an extremist and don't speak for women. Dana Loesch, apparently we're not fighting to be recognized as individuals, not as one giant homogenized group. Do you think it's true? Oh, yeah. Here's another one. A solid majority. This is from Gallup. 61% believe abortion should generally be legal in the first three months of pregnancy, while 31% disagree. However, support drops off sharply to 27% want second trimester, and 14% want third. 14. Every one of these are women. Every one of them saying, you're a freaking ghoul. But deplorable Ann Kelly. I'm not going to read. She's like, changes her name all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, a Democrat presidential hopeful for 2020. Her platform, number one, women are stupid. We can't make life-altering decisions within five minutes. Five months. Two, performing abortions on babies that can feel the pain is totally okay. And three, women are stupid, but we need more stupid women in Congress. And I just want to remind you about something the media ignored because it didn't fit their narrative. 
Here's somebody, she's a woman, she's a brown woman. Holy shit, that doesn't happen. All black people want to kill babies. That's what the Democrats, mostly white, white Democrats say. Yeah, she worked for him. Let's listen to her. I worked at Dr. Kermit Gosnell's office, and um, I started out doing tools, the instruments, and then eventually I was asked to help in the room during procedures. I was supposed to just volunteer because I had, I had just uh, left my husband, and, you know, they were looking out for me for income. He taught me everything. I became his ace as they say, right-hand man. I just felt as though I owed him because when when I was in high school, I met their niece. They helped me. They helped me through high school. You know, my prom, when my daughter was born, everything, they've been there. I've had two abortions of my own. So I understood what the ladies were going through. I've been in their shoes. So my thing was... I have to support them because I understand. So it, it really, it didn't bother me at first. I became, I've noticed I became numb with all the craziness that was going on. I was numb to it. They weren't jars. They were uh, gallon milk cartons where we had to, we had to cut the top of it. You know, of course, make the hole big enough. But, yeah, they were, they were milk the gallon milk judges, jugs, that's what they were. The, yeah, that's what we s stored, and we had to put them in, you know, put them in the freezer for the biohazard people to come. I left in 2008. Um, it became, it was like a heaviness that I, I just had to get out of there. I knew, I, I came to a point where I knew this is not the place for me. What I was doing, it was totally wrong. I thought about income. You know, what am I going to do? But I gave him my two weeks. It was the best feeling weight. I mean, it's the best feeling in the world. The weight was lifted. Um, I still had, you know, little thoughts going on in my head. I was free from, from that building, but I, I wasn't free mentally, but I was free from the building. So that was a start. I went to prison around January of 2011. The advice that I would have for them get out because like for me I had to learn how to sleep in the dark again you know it's like it's a it takes it takes a toll on you mentally and people that work in these clinics they really can't talk to nobody you know it's, they just feel as though they're going to get judged and everything so my advice is to get out while you can get out while you can don't end up like me where it's too late, you end up in prison, you know, just get out. There's help out here. There's resources. It's funny because it's a Planned Parenthood in my neighborhood. And um, I always wonder what can I do to get their attention. But I will not do it yet because I'm not trained. You know, I want to I want to be trained to do stuff like that. Right now, I'm just I'm just going through my healing journey. You know, that's that's where I'm at right now. And like I said, I'm very I'm I'm a blessed woman. You know, I have some powerful women on my on you know on my back. I, I they got me. You, you know, and um I'm thankful.
Yeah, there was a shitload over 20-week abortions of Kermit Gosnell. She's like Abby Johnson. She's pro-life now. But how about this, written by a woman on uh, The Federalist. For proof abortion is inhuman, look no further than supporters' defense of killing disabled people. The most recent revelation of the latter came in form of a tweet promoting the pro-choice position declaring, it is okay to think that every child matters, however, a lot of them do not, hence the amino test, which should be mandatory test, and it proves negative, and the woman does not want to abort, then all bills accrued after that is on her and the father. Then there was the everybody with Down syndrome, and these are from real pro-choice groups. Advocates for medically fragile kids, North Carolina, suggested Twitter also add hate towards people with disabilities because of all these tweets that came out. Then there's new research that confirms abortion hurts women. We know it's a lie that abortion doesn't harm women. We know this anecdotally from talking with mothers, daughters, and everybody else in the world. We also know it was research that demonstrates quantitatively that a significant number of women are left clinically depressed as a result of having an abortion. As often as we hear these stories, it's still exceedingly difficult for women hurt by abortion and their supporters to get the message out. As Katie Yoder from Catholic Vote explains, don't expect the mainstream media to give them a voice. That's not to say the media shies away from abortion stories. They don't. But here's a catch. The stories they share are positive ones. They always show a positive light of somebody who's got saved financially by having an abortion. The divide between rhetoric and women's experience. Even though more Americans identify as pro-life than pro-choice and have for a long time, we're still a nation deeply conflicted over the issue. One of the reasons for the conflict is no small part to the huge significance placed on having an abortion as a true mark of a woman taking ownership of her body. As if a woman isn't truly in control of who she is until she exercises her right to kill a child. Abortion advocates see abortion as the final frontier for womanhood, the event horizon, the point after which a woman will pass and never feel the same again. This is why abortion rhetoric must be powerful, because abortion supporters can continue to distract the post-abortive woman with the idea that she has nothing for which to apologize. Abortion is about her reproductive rights, and that it wasn't her baby, it was a clump of cells. It will be easier for her the next time she chooses to abort. What 987 post-abortive women told researchers. A recent study by Priscilla Coleman, that's a woman, women who suffered emotionally from abortion, a qualitative synthesis of their experiences. They did a full survey of all these people and asked them to rate things. The full details about the methodology can be found in the study, but in short, 987 women completed the survey, and their ages ranged from 20 to 27. The number of abortions per participant ranged from 1 to 9 abortions. That's a Planned Parenthood Gold Club member. The majority had 1, 69.8%, and 19% had 2, 7% have 3, and 3% had 4 or more. 70% of the first-timers were women 21 or younger. The two questions posed, what are the most significant positives, if any, that have come to, from your decision to abort? Second question, what are the most significant negatives? The finding, which went largely unnoticed by major media outlets, no surprise, run completely afoul of today's media narrative about how abortion is a benign, safe procedure that represents the pinnacle of female empowerment. 
One interesting result was the increase in women seeking mental health care and prescription drugs use pre- and post-abortion. Prior to the first pregnancy resulting in an abortion, 13% of those surveyed reported a visit to psychiatrists, psychologists, or counselor compared to 67.5 who received mental services after their abortion. Of the women surveyed, only 6.6% reporting using psychotropic drugs prior, but 51 said they did afterwards. The results of the study demonstrate abortion's dynamic nature and is successful capturing the kaleidoscope of emotions that women internalized. Where are these women voices? One of the more remarkable findings is that 32% of the women reported no positive outcome. One comment a woman gave in response was heartbreaking. None. There are no positives. My life is no better. It is much worse. I carry the pain of a child lost forever. Although I know I am forgiven and have worked through the guilt and shame, the heart-wrenching pain is still there. I would rather have been a single mother of two and had that baby. A significant number, 24% of women, reported feeling the pain of taking a life. The woman's 30-year... The woman's 30 years of grief and thought of suicide sound like the sound bites we hear from pro-abortion marches and rallies. Where is this woman's voice in the conversation? Is she allowed to have one? Another comment. My child is dead and by my choice. I spent years of anger, shame, and grief. I damaged my relationship with my husband, children, and God. For 30 years, I did not speak to anyone but my husband. My grief overwhelmed him and left him powerless and ashamed. For years, I cried every Sunday in church, experienced dark depression, thought of suicide, flashes of anger. My relationship with my children was unbalanced. I'd have a perfect mom and they, the perfect children, or I believed myself to be beneath contempt. I imagine the mess in which I lived. Had it not been for biblical counseling, I would have taken my life. Women also reported significant numbers of depression, 14%, guilt, 14%, self-hatred, 12%, shame, 11 addiction, 9 and regret, 9 One woman's story of self-hatred is painful, and I'm not reading it. This entire survey by women of women show no positives, except from the people that have had seven abortions. How's that Obamacare working for you now? So, having heard this and knowing that 61% in this poll, 64% in others, about what Tony Reed's been saying on this podcast for two damn years, are for a ban. It passed, right? Susan B. Anthony list. Paying capable unborn child protection acts received 51 of 46, but didn't get 60 votes. No votes will be held accountable. Jesse Kelly. All the Democrats have to do is not be insane, and they can't do it. Jennifer Hackborn. Senate procedural vote on 20-week abortion ban, 5146. Collins. Murkowski. Join the Dems. Don Lee, Manchin, and Casey vote with GOP. Senator Warren. What'd she say? What did Pocahontas say? Whatever you believe about abortion personally, this 20-week abortion ban is dangerous and cruel. Here are some tweets. The left straight-faced lies to the American people about abortion every chance they get. This is Orwellian and dishonest. Yes, not allowing the mother to murder a child after five months is dangerous and cruel. I totally understand. Political bunny, a female. Banning the dismemberment of an unborn baby is cruel. 
Another one, a woman. I took all women. I'm not sure that word means what Chief Flyer thinks. What? How can stopping the murder of 20-week-old babies be dangerous and cruel? It's dangerous and cruel to keep murdering babies. My favorite. They are demonic and insane, but mostly demonic. Wait, no baby, more insane. And my favorite, you people are fucking ghouls. They scared tactics so bad, Chelsea Hanner and other Democrats are out saying banning 20 weeks abortion is unconstitutional. And this came from the Sacramento Bee. Senate Democrats refused to grant legal status to children dreaming of being born. Frankly, I'm tired of Republican sob stories about these so-called dreamers who are deliberately hiding inside a womb, hoping for government protection without going through the proper channel. A DNC spokesman just told a reporter, maybe it's not their fault their parents brought them into this world, but that does not give them the same constitutional right to life that hardworking, natural-born Americans have earned. Sources confirm Democrats may consider an abortion ban after 24 weeks, since the unborn child will be three-fifths of the way through the typical 40-week pregnancy by that point. I really admire the idea of a three-fifth compromise, said one Democratic senator. America has used a three-fifth compromise before, when we were forced to admit that people who are properly, who are property are still partially human. Works really well. That was printed. Total satire dogging the Dems. But they make the succinct point. We're about to go into fire for effect. We're gonna hear shut down, tax cuts are ghoulish, it's a dark day in Washington, those dreamers deserve to be in America. But you don't believe it's dark or bad to kill a baby. Because it's a baby now. It's not a clump of cells. You are for unfettered third trimester. Because you keep saying the same words. Rape. Incest. How in the name of Zeus's ass crack have you been raped? Does it take you five months to decide I want to get rid of the baby? And I'm not stupid. I don't think they believe that. I think this is like the gun debate. Gun guys, two A's, don't want to give in on anything because you give in on one, you're going to get it all. So they scare tactic. You give them this, they're going to try to ban abortion. <clears throat> I've been on pro-life on pro-life sites. Most pro-life people are totally against abortion. But they would take anything just to get some curtailment. And this pro-life guy, your humble podcaster, Tony Reed, this should be the minimum. The minimum. The whole line you heard from Bill Clinton, Carter, Obama, Hillary Clinton, until she went, oh, get rid of the hide. Safe, legal, rare. That's the three words they say to pro-life people. And they're fucking liars. So all these senators who believe it's okay to kill a baby, you're our motherfucker of the day, and we're off to fire effect. Motherfuckers think y'all run everything. Motherfucker, 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 motherfucker,
Okay, that's Nancy Pelosi and Wasserman. They're still doubling down on the crumbs. And Topher Spiro, a liberal reporter, at the GOP tax cut, Macy's is still cutting 5,000 jobs. Dan Pfeiffer. Trump and the media claim that every raise of bonus evidence success of the new tax law, that every layoff must also be a failure of the very same law. You can't have it both ways, except on Fox. Derek Hunter. 
Someone didn't read the release. The company were citing the tax loss. Trump hasn't said anything. Another one. Here's Dan Problem with desperate attempt of spin. It's not the GOP that's crediting the tax law for those positive actions. It's the companies themselves. Further, it makes sense that lower taxes would lead to more spending. No similar logic connects to the layoffs. But you, when you don't know anything about business, like Dan Pfeiffer doesn't, he knows the business of lying to people. Stephen Miller, Trump and media are making that claim. The companies themselves are claiming this. And why are they spinning? Home Depot, hourly employees receive up to 1,000 bonus due to tax reform. Starbucks, who said we don't need this. Tax is not going to create more level playing field and more compassionate society. Of course, he's a liberal. But then they announced 250 million and changing effect about 150,000 full-time, part-time, hourly, and salaried employees. The company is giving its U.S. worker pay raises and stock grants this year of at least 500 to 2,000, depending on position. So even though they're against it, they're cornered. They have to give the money. But simultaneously, we have Mark Noller, the Bulletin Atomic moves to doomsday. Because of this, we're going to doomsday. And a Twitter handler that I lost his name nails it. 1970, global war cooling, we're all going to die. 2000, global warming, we're all going to die. 2010s, climate change, we're all going to die. Because not only because of tax and Trump and all this shit, it's also because of climate change. So then the media ignores that the IMF tax bill will boost global economy. And now we're in a shitstorm. What do we do? Oh, I know what we do. Andrew Cuomo, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut are launching a coalition to sue the federal government to reverse the unjust tax law. We will not stand idly by a federal government attack of fiscal health of our states. Does that surprise you? Everything Trump's done, the left has tried to go to a liberal court and get it overturned. Nothing has not been sued, litigated, or anything. So my point to them, who really cares about the fat cat rich? Those fat cats, as Nancy Pelosi was saying in that soundbite. Well, it must be you, because you're porking shit ton of money into lawyers right now. Let this happen under a Democrat. Let any of this happen under a Democrat. Listen, it was Donald Trump who ended the DACA program, and he did so because he wanted to hold hostage and use as bargaining chips the lives of 800,000 undocumented people who have been here their entire lives, who are American in every single way. And now what we're trying to do is to create a second-class citizen. Okay, that's what this that's what this program does. It okay. says so are you that not the going dreamers to answer can my become. Question? This is giving people I've, who are here illegally are getting amnesty and a path to citizenship, which is what you've been asking for, and you're calling that white supremacy. None of those people yes, are white. So how price? is it white supremacy? But at what price? I'm not calling it white supremacy. I don't think those words have come out of my mouth. They've come out of the mouth of I'm not calling the it white ranking Democrat. All. What I am saying is okay. that this this plan, what it does is it creates a second-class citizen because it says that the dreamers can become citizens themselves, but they cannot sponsor their parents. They cannot sponsor their siblings. And those rights are different than the rights that you have. 
And you just said earlier that this plan, the two million people, that none of them are white, which is untrue because there are undocumented white people. There are 50,000 undocumented Irish people living in New York City. Sure. So there no, are there are. You know, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. They're not covered by this. So that, that's my only point. You're absolutely right. There are definitely undocumented there white immigrants. There are dreamers who are white, Tucker. That comfort broken when immigration officials determined Nice should be detained for offenses committed when he was 17 years old, saying it's the result of two 1992 state convictions for malicious destruction of property and receiving stolen property, both of which are crimes involving moral turpitude. Nice's family says one incident involved damages to a car, costing him about $100. They say the other offense was expunged from Nice's record after he completed a youth training program. Now it seems that conviction was not completely wiped from the record. And even though the record's been sealed, ICE is able to get access to to these, these old records. In fact, they might be the only ones that could access it. Nisa's past also includes pleading guilty to driving under the influence in 2008. That case dismissed after he completed probation. In 2013, he was charged with domestic violence involving a previous relationship. He argued it was self-defense. A jury agreed and found him not guilty. Immigration officials did not cite those issues, but did say Nice came under their scrutiny due to more than a dozen minor traffic violations, including driving without a seatbelt. So that soundbite is an entitled, snotty dreamer. And that's what they believe. And it's not going to change. As we showed on the Grammys, everywhere you go is nothing but bullshit over and over. And not only are they getting plenty of airtime on our Hollywood celebrity shows, we're standing in front of the building that has become the headquarters for the Gestapo of the United States. ICE. They're blockading that. Despite tax cut booming stock markets, Democrat main intent on bringing down President Trump. During the January 30th, 30th State of the Union, what are they doing? They're filling the balcony with illegal immigrants. Yet, Trump gave a pathway to citizenship. Young immigrants in Arizona make up far larger percentage of state prison inmates. This is somebody refuting what Trump's even doing. He's getting dogged for this. Their, uh, immigrants are 18 to 35. A group of immigrants activists called Dreamers, about 2% of the Arizona population. They're also 8% of the prison population. The overrepresentation by a factor of four shows the younger immigrants are far more likely to commit crimes. Blah, 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 blah. He's getting hosed by the right. So what does that tell you? If the right doesn't like it, all right, why is the less to get? Oh, because they just don't want it to work. So we know Schumer has removed the wall. And he's not giving any concessions. And Sally Cohn and the left are going, united we move. This is the best thing ever. Jay Caruso sums it up. Shuts down the government, sees to, sees to it DACA people get deported by ring nigging on deal he insisted upon, both in the span of four days. Great job. Which I think spot on, because that's what he's doing. And then the DACA people go back out. DACA recipients temporarily blocked Disneyland. They blocked South Harbor and OC, blocking buses for entering the park. Civil disobedience underway. Protesters want to pressure Congress to pass a Clean Dream Act. They chant, no dream, no deal. They had to be physically removed by law enforcement. None of them, of course, were deported because it's California. 
And then Rail Davidson sums it up. Now, show the family goes on vacation once every few years and was looking forward to take their children to Disneyland. Nobody interviewed them. I was on the fence about DACA, but now that you made me my six-year-old daughter miss breakfast with Minnie, by golly, I'm on board. No one ever. Dreamers destroying the dream of American children. Literally. Another tweeter. I was for DACA, but the more... I, I, I can't take any more of this shit. Every time they block a road or park, wave Mexican flags, the more Americans see what they really are. Snotty, bratty, entitled invaders, like a burglar broke in your house, brought his kids, and now they're demanding you give them a room. I have a soundbite in a bit with CNN shock that is just going to rock your socks. And they're minorities. Because CNN thought they could bring a bunch of Democrats that voted for Trump in and go, he's a piece of shit, and it didn't work. So what's Jim Acosta say? Immigration advocates hammering White House proposal are calling dead on arrival a legislative burning cross. Ed O'Keefe, diving to other details, one immigration reform expert advocate points out that Trump is calling for the largest cut in legal immigration since 1920. Dead on arrival in Congress, this expert forecast. Democracy for America. Any Democrat stupid or this, we're going to vote you out. Sanger and Jendies. This just goes to show how far apart these two sides immigration. It's hard to overstate how much of the concession it is for the White House to endorse a pathway for 1.8 million people. Con concessions still treated as if they are about to deport dreamers. That's a Latino guy. Another Latino guy. Trump made a generous offer they knows will even hurt him with some of his own base. But the far-left extremists aren't for it. Cuomo, all dreamers get free education. That's how New York handled it. Somebody asked him, how about our vets first? New York bag, ruthless Democrats should have granted amnesty to all illegals. I give them credit, at least they're pushing it on who fucked this up, Obama. He created this mess. He didn't pass a law. They didn't address any of this in eight years. So what are the colleges doing? English course, syllabus demands, clean dream act now. The University of Mexico. What's the ACLU doing? ACLU, I'm about to try it that way. Today the White House, blah, 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 border wall, wasteful. The White House post clean effort to sabotage bipartisan talks. We're for the Democrats. And they close with a crisis facing dreamers and their families. Urgent, but addressing it must not come at the expense of using immigrants, youth, and bargaining chips or devastating border communities. This proposal should be deemed dead on arrival. Let me read that again. Using immigrant youth as bargaining chips. Isn't that what the Democrats just did? Isn't that what the Democrats just did? They blocked spending with dreamers playing the game that you'll never get another I, the GOP will never get the White House again. Did we just hear this in 2016? I think we have the White House. I don't think the Democrats are thinking this through. Personally, as I said on the show, Americans aren't with them. 56% on a CNN poll, which means it's already 13% too liberal. Do a non-biased poll. Stop it. Sorry, I have the dogs today. 
A non-biased poll? I guarantee sure as shit it's about 60% of Americans say we should shut down the government for these DACA people. They shouldn't be deported. But the question never asked, what should they do? Get a pathway to citizenship. America's not for amnesty. No. But this will continue. Next podcast I'll be talking about it because it's coming up. I think it's the 8th. The 8th is when we'll be shut down again. At least I'll get my January paycheck from my retirement. And then we'll shut down again. Because they just want unfettered immigration. Laura, what do you make of this? Especially what do you make about the selective leaks? For instance, we found out about the existence of the word secret society before we even found out the context of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you, what you're seeing here is a tarring and feathering in the public square because there are congressmen out there who believe that innuendo has become exceptionally persuasive in the court of public opinion. When you have Robert Mueller and his team who are refusing to leak on their own or give information about either the state of the investigation or the results of an investigation or the processes and the information, people are looking for breadcrumbs and trying to put it out there themselves. And so when you have these selective leaks, what they're trying to do is put in their back pocket some type of information that could attack the credibility of the investigation even before the results of that investigation are given. And if innuendo is going to be enough to persuade the public, we're in for a really scary ride. Well, the game here is to try to discredit the Mueller investigation before the Mueller investigation comes out with anything, to discredit the FBI, to discredit the people who are trying to get to the to the bottom of all of this. And I think that you muddy the waters then before Mueller does anything. And 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 therefore you're prepared in case Mueller says in fact that the president did something wrong or in fact that people in his campaign did something wrong or that there was obstruction. And you're so you know it's kind of like a pre buttle in politics. You know, you get out there and you say no matter what happens, this guy, you just you just can't trust him. And it's so short-sighted to knock these institutions, assuming that they will be sound um, in years to come. I mean, ask the people of Turkey, ask the people of Russia what happens when a dictator or a president tries to undermine uh, what's supposed to be independent organizations. You keep talking about uh, the questioning of the FBI and FBI agents and, and people within the FBI and whether or not they're partisan. You do this enough, and you're going to have people really question their integrity going forward as an organization today somewhere in your state somewhere definitely in your country there are fbi agents that are going around they're trying to get intel they're trying to get information they're trying to break apart terror networks of homegrown terrorists that want to blow up your church that want to blow up your synagogue that want to kill you or your family or other people in your community. And it is these FBI agents who stand between you, me, all of us, and future terror attacks, either by members of ISIS that infiltrate this country or by homegrown terrorists. When these conspiracy theories are spread for political reasons and solely political reasons to protect the president who is not worth your protection with your lies. You are only making it more difficult for our law enforcement officers to protect your family and mine against Islamic terrorism and homegrown terrorism that you supposedly fear so much. 
So just stop it. Get out of their way. Let them do their jobs. And let the chips fall where they may. If Mueller overreaches, we will be the first to say so. The press will be the first to say so. Just stop with your conspiracy theories because you are making America less safe. Hope it's worth it to you. We're reliving the 1950s. A lot of conservatives and Republicans. Look, it it took the FBI uh, from the time after Watergate and decades to really rebuild its credibility for independence and, and, and total professionalism and non-political behavior. And Donald Trump and his allies are perfectly willing to wreck it if it gets in the way of defending him. Uh, I have not covered Washington for a long time. I haven't seen a kind of direct attack on the credibility of the FBI and the independence of the FBI on its nonpartisanship, on its professionalism. I haven't seen anything like that. And Donald Trump is doing a lot of things that nobody has seen right. the likes of. And he's utterly unembarrassed and unashamed at, about doing it. And he and his allies are going to do whatever it takes. Uh, again, going back to where Republicans are standing on this, uh, they, they're going to rue the day of going down this road and having this institution come apart and sullied and have the kind of morale problems that could be long-lasting down the road. And then who are they going to look to? And then what happens in the next administration comes in, Republican or Democrat? You have now have this seabed of suspicion about these institutions, CIA, FBI, Justice Department. What is the end game here? That's the question I have for the Republicans. What is the end game? These toadies are amazing. Eli, let me ask you, and then, Jonathan, it seems like the Republican uh, call to arms now is go out there and kick up some dust, make up anything you can, do anything to deflect or distract or to discredit from Bob Mueller. That, because they think trouble's coming. That's what I think. Right. That, that is why they are creating that hysteria that you just saw in the clip about secret societies and the deep state. This is straight out of the old sort of McCarthy playbook. If it's secret, you don't talk about it. The, the idea that this senator, who's obviously intelligent enough to be a senator, really? should actually... <laughs> you question me. Okay. Fair enough. No, fair well, enough. And I, Why and would I, he say and it I, really is a secret society? And I say it like that, Chris, because Senator Johnson should know better. If indeed there is a secret society, then he, as a member of the Senate, should make that charge in a hearing. Bring that, bring that mole or whatever he called that person right. in. Put a black screen in front of them and disguise their voice. But have them come and speak before the American people in a Senate hearing and talk about the secret society. What he's doing is undermining the legitimacy of the FBI, the Justice Department, and just people's faith in our institutions. You're, you're right. They're trying to create fog and they're doing something that they think is going to help them with short-term game yeah. game but in the long term they are destroying they are hurting this country in some of the personal messages that were previously released fbi agent peter struck and lawyer lisa page seen here in an alumni picture discussed the presidential campaign both expressing disdain for donald trump page writing god trump is a loathsome human struck responds yet he may win America will get what the voting public deserves. The text fueling Republican claims that the FBI is biased against Trump, even though some of the messages also trash liberals. Page writing at one point, I just saw my first Bernie Sanders bumper sticker. Made me want to key the car. Pierre, you heard Senator Johnson right there acknowledging it is a real possibility now that this text about a secret society was a joke. But Senator Johnson also claimed to have an informant who said a group of FBI employees was holding secret meetings 
And tonight, one top Democrat is demanding proof now of these meetings. David, Senator Johnson is the chair of the Homeland Security Committee, and tonight the committee's top de Democrat, Claire McCaskill, is demanding, quote, hard evidence about that informant and any other allegations, essentially calling him out. So far, Senator Johnson has not offered any more specifics, David. Well, we've confirmed the text message was sent one day after the election, and Page writes to Strzok, quote, are you even going to give out your calendar? Seems kind of depressing. Maybe it should just be the first meeting of the secret society. Fox News is told this is the only reference in the 384 pages of FBI text provided to Congress last week. But for some context, three weeks later in December 2016, the five-month gap of missing text begins, and no one on the Hill knows what they show. And whether they back up Senator Johnson's whistleblower, who claims senior FBI officials held these off-site meetings. So we'll see when those newly uh, recovered text messages are provided to Congress. As Mueller's investigation moves along, the campaign to undermine him is also moving full steam ahead. Republicans are seizing on the revelation that the FBI failed to preserve many text messages during a critical five-month period during the Russia investigation. Senator Chuck Schumer says the focus on text messages is an attempt to divert attention away from the Mueller investigation. And as the Russia investigation gets closer to the president, he is escalating his fight with the FBI specifically over some missing text messages between two former members of the special counsel Robert Mueller's team. So are the missing text messages from December 2016 to May 2017 really a bombshell? Democrats call the GOP attacks desperation. I just had to show you that because I'm still trying to figure it out. What they were trying to do was have a conversation about missing texts. They've now been found since that interview was conducted last night. But um, I tease that by talking about nuts and loons and secret squirrels and secret societies. And um, to, to Bill Crystal's point, once serious men and women of the um, party I used to belong to, I don't know where, where either of you guys stand these days, but... I mean, they've lost their mind. They're so off the rails. Well, I want to be generous and say that perhaps some of our former colleagues, religion. some of our former colleagues don't realize the consequences <laughs> that w what they are backing, where this could end. You know, it seemed like fun and games for plenty of the conspiracy theorists who were saying that Hillary Clinton had a pedophilia ring and a D.C. pizza parlor until a guy showed up there with a machine gun. And the president's rhetoric, his the rhetoric that is endorsed by by his followers, by his prominent followers on television, there are going to be consequences, and I think that it's something that they should think about as they actively endorse it. To our Russia, Russia, Russia FBI, Senator Glad Grassley says the text suggests the FBI was pulling punches. It's investigation with Clinton. The text message is flagged by Grassley. Page suggests that Sork should not take an aggressive approach to Clinton. Blah, 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 blah. We covered it last time. So what's happening now? Now groups of liberals are saying he's endangering them. Fusion. Endangering them. That's what Fusion GPS is saying. We've already had somebody kill. They're endangering them. But the problem is Cheryl Atkinson, Chris Saliza cannot get, you can't get any more liberal. The latest text makes Zork and Page look really bad. Really bad. But you heard the sound bites. It's a nothing burger. It's a GOP. They're disparaging the FBI. Blah, blah, blah. So, latest on this. Fox News breaking. Justice Department's recovered missing text. So they found all the shit they were missing. It's amazing when that broke out. See, under Obama, they would still be missing because the media wouldn't have reported it. But it got out now. The conservative media on Twitter is working. 
It's getting truth out to the public. CNN. New FBI texts appear to show early 2016 discussion of Clinton's special prosecutor, which was canceled by the FBI. Isn't that interesting? Then there's Republican lawmakers spotlight jaw-dropping FBI text. A detail from the Paris Exchange have leaked out all week. Republicans' lawmakers have seized on the text as an example of bias. Other texts have drawn scrutiny to criticism of President Donald Trump as well as politicians on both sides of the aisle. The DOJ delivered another 384 pages of texts. Sorkin served as special counsel. In another text released Thursday, Page wrote on October 28, 2016, that then-FBI Chief of Staff Jim Rabinke believed very clear 100% that FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe should be recused because of the perception, presumably referencing the Clinton investigation. Great article from the Federalist. The Russia fake news scare is all about chilling speech. Within this article, which I won't read, it covers over and over that every time something goes wrong and the truth gets out, the Democrats just bring out... Russia. They're doing it right now. I told you last podcast, released the memo, was started by GOP. They said it was brought out by Russian bots. Twitter then said, yeah, no, it's not Russia. It's Americans doing this. But within this article is a key statement I never even thought of. If your argument is that America, American, Americans is what they should have said, but they didn't, are uninformed and easily misled, I'm with you. Just look at all the people who believe that $46,000 bought a Facebook by the Russians, a Facebook ad by the Russians, and it destroyed our democracy. I've never heard that, and then I read it and go, holy shit, he's right. So we're saying Russian bots bought $46,000 with the Facebook ads, and Twitter, and they destroyed a whole election. That's the premise. So the memo is getting released. It's waiting for Trump to sign it. Now Nancy Pelosi, Nunes is a stooge. They have made up a memo that isn't even true. They're lying to the American people. When Cuomo says, yeah, this is from the Intel Committee, Democrats are on it, you don't know any, she said, with all due respect, you really don't know what you're talking about. Schiff, it's political, it's continuation of the effort to protect the president's hide. It's really disgraceful act. No, what's disgraceful is you've been carrying on forever, and in the Zork text, it shows you didn't have anything to begin with. So what do people say about CNN? The only network that carried all these jokers? CNN's running on empty now. This direction they chose will end up in disaster for the network. It's Adam Schiff's job to keep this narrative going through the midterms. This is all they have. They have no policies. They have no ideas. They even rolled out a guy named Jim Hines. All you need to understand is Republican declare war today on our national security. They have rolled out everything. Everything they could possibly say. Russian bots. Un-American, dragging down the FBI, which is what they did during the election, but it was okay, and so was the media. They were they were all for it. And then this happened. McCabe. McCabe steps down. So what does Matthew Dowd say? It's not hyperbole. What is happening within our country today is much more dangerous to our constitutional republic than North Korea. 
That's what journalists are saying. The whole world didn't attack him for being oversized. They just said, you don't know what hyperbole leaves, because that is hyperbole. The Nets say nothing about the IG report, and they say it's Trump six times more. Anna Navarro. First it came for Comey. Didn't speak out because they were Trump apologists. Then he came for McCabe. They didn't speak out because they're Trump apologists. Next will come from Rowenstein. They won't speak out. Last will come from Mueller. So people are asking Anna Navarro, what is he a liar? Because everything that's coming out, including Jim Acosta, source familiar with McCabe matter, described his departure as a mutual decision. He was tired of being undermined by Trump and he was not happy. Then instead of saying it's a correction, he says more. Source telling us FBI Director Ray told McCabe he was bringing on a new team and he was not part of it. Writing was on the wall. All points to McCabe essentially being pushed out by the FBI. Jake Gibson, a source familiar, tells Fox News it would be accurate to say McCabe was removed. Further, I'm told this is most likely the earliest date they could get rid of him with his pension. Catherine Harridge's reports FBI Director Ray went to Capitol Hill Sunday to view a four-page memo on FISA. The very next day, Sean Davis reports, he steps down. So let's break this down for you. Trump had nothing to do with any of this. This guy is implicated on FISA abuses. The FBI is still trying to get Trump, so they choose... To push this guy the fuck out so the perception is we got Zork, we got Page, we got Mueller, we got all these fucking people that fucking hate Trump. Here's another guy. This looks really bad. So we want to get Trump without it looking like it's bad. So let's get rid of this motherfucker, put somebody else in it. He'll still be our robot and do whatever he wants. The media knows all that, but they say it's Trump's fault. Really. Really. That's very interesting. No, it's not. It's what it is. Another subject, State of the Union. Part of the last podcast about a lot of Democrats aren't coming. It's a whole list. But there's a huge stockpile of alternate State of the Union. Because remember, when Obama did State of the Union, it was your duty as an American to watch it. You must say he's the best speaker ever. You must bow down and say, oh, Obama, my life is better because I heard you speak. If you didn't do that, you were just fucking racist, dude. Well, now we got Maxine Water on BET. Somebody asked, is this Saturday Night Live skit? Yeah, I think it is. But then you got Rise to Run with Shannon Watts. Did you miss a petition our chair, Shannon Watts, put out yesterday? People fighting back against Trump to serve their own voices, just like Michelle Bachman with the Tea Party. So she's trying to do one. But then there's the resistance. Anti-Trump celebs to hold People's State of the Union. Mark Ruffalo, a bevy of Hollywood fixtures, including Michael Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, Rosie Perez, Cynthia Nixon. They're going to have their big star State of the Union, a big party to say, go fuck you. Alyssa Milano is the one that tweeted it. That's how I found out about it. Please join us, resist and persist with digital counter program to Trump. 
Check out and share this overview. On Tuesday night, 6 p.m., Donald Trump will deliver State of the Union address. Hashtag State of the Dream will highlight why true, what truly makes America's great, that we come from many places, races and creeds, and together work for more perfect union. Our digital State of the Dream address will support our dreamers and immigrants. Call for the Dream Act. Lean into Senate fundraising for Unite We Dream. And worry about everybody but Americans. And it goes on and on and on. And that's that's the dog pile. That is the dog pile that is the alternate State of the Union. And as stated, all of it would be un-American, unpatriotic, and disrespectful to the office of the President of the United States just 14 months ago. I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice. You have a right to be heard, and you have a right to be believed. We're with you. Manhattan ran to Bill Clinton. You're the best president, man. Trump got to go. Trump got to go, Bill Clinton. Trump got to go. All right. Have a nice day. So, Hillary, I said, what up, Bill Clinton? All right. Best president alive, man. How's Monica? Bill Clinton. <laughs> Nigga put the window up. I said, how's Monica? Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for your feminism, for your activism, and all I can hope is you keep up the really important good work. Can you say the name of the activist bitches supporting bitches? <laughs> and let me just say, this is directed to the activist bitches supporting bitches. <laughs> so, what- so that was Hillary Clinton talking about how it's so important for us to listen to every person who makes a sexual harassment complaint, which is totally true. Then you heard Bill Clinton get dogged by some dude on the street corner because this was the anniversary. And then you hear some bizarre, I'm calling out the bitches that protect bitches shit. You might have heard the bitches bitches part, but most of the time you heard casino mogul Steve Wynn has no media plans relinquish his role because now he's sexual harassed. Marco Milatis, who's a big daily slate coast fuckface, why would he? Republicans are party of sexual harassment. Nobody got on the fact that I do all the time that Majority of the Me Too people have been liberals, Hollywood liberals, people that are progressive. They said, your timing is impeccable. Because finally, from the 2008 campaign, Clinton declared to fire aid accused of sex harassment during 2008 campaign. In fact, she declared it so much that she moved the woman somewhere else and left the man there. No punishment whatsoever. The world said to him, your tweet has the lifespan of a mayfly. But then everybody else says, well, you know, at the same time this came down, 20 years ago today, President Clinton told the world, I had no relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. Everybody on the planet Retreat to join Hillary and telling survivors of sexual assault, we're with you. Anyone reports this shall be heard, blah, 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 Refinery 29. The entire world did what I just did. What the fuck? I'm not going to go into all of it, 
Because everybody, Kyle Griffin, a liberal, Peter Baker, a liberal, Jim Garrity, come on. We all know Hillary Clinton would never help protect a powerful man or politically, uh, a political ally accused of sexual harassment for the consequences of his actions. New York Times broke the story. 18, oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> 10 years later. 10. So what does Hillary get held accountable for? Oh, she gets to go on the Grammys and dog Trump and standing ovation. And then she releases this. A story appeared today about something that happened in 2008. I was dismayed when it occurred, but was heartened the young woman came forward and heard and was heard and had her concerns taken seriously. I called her today to tell her how proud I am of her and to make sure she knows that all women should. We deserve to be heard. Amber Athey. I don't think it's acceptable any longer to say a woman concern concerns were taken seriously and addressed if you kept the harasser on the staff and reassigned the woman. I, I'm not going into the rest of this, okay? It just goes on for days. I have so much stuff. I, I'm going to read SE Cup, but I, I'm going to ignore all this and just say, if I, a business person, if I, Sergeant First Class Reed, did this, not that I ever served with women, Fired. Fucking fired. Fucking, fucking fired. It just goes back to the shit house server. Fired. Reassigning women, not the man. Fired. But Essie Cup, who, once again, sorry about the puppy. He sums it up. He's got a good bark, though, doesn't he? He just has a good bark. That dude is two and a half months old. He's taking on a tomcat that's about to stomp his ass during the podcast. There will be an ass stomping when this cat just tears him up, and you'll hear yiping and screaming as he runs away. But he's a he's a 20-pound puppy. He's going to be a really big husky. Anyway. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, we're live here, pal. Stop it. Stop it. All right, I got the cat out. Sorry. Not going to edit it out. Hopefully people in Japan got a laugh. What the hell? I, I, they're so quiet, I turned record on, and this is what we got. But SE Cup, she, not he, because I got cross-referenced on a dog. For many of my generation, Hillary Clinton, the start of Me Too, watching her stand by a man who abuses power and sexually harassed women, opened many of our eyes. Time's up to woman up and say, time's up now. When you and Gloria Steinem were slut-shaming and smearing Bill's accuser, was this the service of making sure women deserve to be heard? Come clean. You rotten bitch, S.E. Cup, and wannabe. An attention whore looking for greatness. A height you'll never reach. You think trying to take down truly great women will make you rise? It won't. Fun, imagine if you point the laser focus and insight on someone rather than the wife of a cheater. Embarrassing, especially since it's mulligan season these days. Somebody sends back. S.E. Cup. Fun! No one care about the wife of a cheater. She then said, did you call Monica and Winita? Until you do, you'll never, forever be part of the problem, not the solution. S.M.L. Got the Women's March as her avatar. S.E. Cup, mind your own damn business. Next one. S.E., just curious. Why is it every conservative has, for the last 25 years, been obsessed with Hillary Clinton? It's been getting super weird for the last eight. You fart, it's Hillary's fault. You're fat, Hillary did it. This is the longest stalking case in history. 
She then did what I like to do on the internet. Well, I can't speak for every conservative, but I'm guessing it's that she's betrayed generations of women by standing by a man who humiliated her, and she smeared all his accusers, and all the while she pretended to be on the side of women. She then said, I'm working on an app that shares language like this loser's conservative cunt with his mom, employer, and spouse. Because remember, the obsessed one, the cunt one, those are liberal men. And here's my favorite, Michael Gay Atlanta. Die, you whore. Trump is a hellhole bastard. You suck, and I wish your dad... You doll bad things. I will pray you die soon. You reap what you do. You are a divisive, racist, ugly, loudmouth fool. Cancer or gunshot will end your life soon. You won't see it. Clowns in the alleys, in your closet. You never know. But bye, bitch. And he spelled bye, B-U-Y. Red hair, don't scare. Super moon, full moon, nabus moon. The devil is you. Let Anybody do that to a liberal? And what do we have? Gnashing of teeth. Remember, 2008, what did we hear? Rush Limbaugh called Sandra Fluke a slut. Not a whore. Not a cunt. None of this. Just a cunt. Or a slut. That was it. Every day I read you something from liberal men towards conservative women. It's either S.E. Cup, freaking Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kellyanne Conway. You guys are fucking hypocrites. But then a good thing happened, and here it is. Twelve years ago, I joined Planned Parenthood to fight for a world where every woman can live her best life. And together we've built a movement to protect and improve reproductive health. And I could not be prouder. Today, I'm announcing that I will be stepping down from my position as president of Planned Parenthood this year. From my first moment at Planned Parenthood, I have been in awe of our brave doctors, clinicians, staff, and volunteers who provide care to one in five American women. And to all of you who count on Planned Parenthood, know that this organization will be here for you, no matter where you live, how much money you make, who you love, or where you come from. Planned Parenthood has been part of the fabric of this country for 100 years, and thanks to you, it'll be here for 100 more. This last year has been one of the most inspiring of my life, as longtime staff and supporters marched and rallied alongside brand new activists, like Deja Fox, a teenager from Tucson, who fiercely defended Planned Parenthood to her United States Senator. Or Gina Walkington, a Planned Parenthood patient from Bristol, Wisconsin, who got involved last winter and is now organizing thousands in her community. Deja and Gina are just some of the 11 million supporters who embody Planned Parenthood's mission. Planned Parenthood has helped tens of millions take control of their health and their futures by providing birth control, pap smears, breast exams, STI testing and treatment, and safe and legal abortion. Today, America is at a 30-year low for unintended pregnancies and historic lows for abortion and teen pregnancy. This is one of the most important public health success stories in history, and it would not have been possible without the life-changing and life-saving work of Planned Parenthood. It has been an incredible honor to be part of this organization. As a patient, as president, 
and now as a lifelong supporter and champion. I will always be committed to the goals we share. Thank you for supporting me through the years and for carrying on this important work. Yes, the Sickabus hellhole is leaving Plan Parenthood. Jenna Jamis, adios, Stephen. Katie Pavlis, goodbye, monster. Gene Sheehan, you're the greatest thing ever. Jessica Valentine, oh, I'm going to lose my life without you. Camelia Harris, oh, you're so good. Laura Duke, I'm starting a rumor in 2020. Brian Fallon kissed her ass. Uh, Eric Schneiderman kissed her ass. Cory Booker. Senator, uh, Senate Democrats, just the whole Senate Democrats. Patty Murray kissed her ass. Then the New York Times, surprisingly, for a very rare 2.3 seconds, depending on whom you ask, Cecil Richards is a national hero or deeply evil woman. From the article, Miss Richards does see progress in the way abortion is depicted in popular culture, with Carrie Washington, sexy Washington fixer, all Olivia Pote on the hit drama Scandal, undergoing the procedure and articles in Cosmopolitan, Glamour, and Essence discussing the issue. It's about changing our culture and talking about topics that I thought had been shoved to the side and taboo, she said. Before I get to the gist of that, Peter Dow, it should be removed. You're a loser. Unprofessional for a major news organization. Blah, blah, blah. And Tony said, babies, not clump of cells, all over America rejoice. They now have the chance of living, you ghoul. But she nailed it. That's what she did. And Hollywood, the mainstream media, it goes back to the article we read in the beginning. They found a way to make killing babies cliche, popular, with their ghoulish shout-out-my-abortion days and Taco Tuesdays and all this shit that's just morbid. So you can guess, won't go into it, Refinery, L, uh, BuzzFeed, Essence, all of them mourned it. Long articles. And during the same time, they gave out their Media Wars, what's it called? The Media Excellence Awards for unbiased journalism. And for advancing the cause. Let's make sure we understand that. The giving an award, that, that's like me, okay, that's like giving the best Green Bay Packers sports coverage. You get an award for that. But when you get that award, it's because you know you're biased for the Green Bay Packers. How can you get a media excellence award if you're pushing abortion? That's activism. And it's not unbiased, it's biased. But there are 28 recipients Tarana Burke, Me Too founder and Girls for Gender Equality, feminist site Bustle, and Amanda Chan for exceptional coverage of reproductive and sexual health, and your accurate, compelling, and non-stigmatizing coverage of reproductive and sexual health issues. Let me just take that down. Exceptional coverage of abortion and non-stigmatizing abortion by making it cool. Romper, Essence got an award. None of this is actually surprising you. Uh, National Geographic got the award. Brad Kuttner. Refinery. Tina Vasquez. Vogue. And New York Culture Site. The Village Voice. And Lauren Evans. 
Their award thing is literally this. Journalism is a form of activism and should be respected as that. Tarana Burke said that. And I want you to understand that is going to sum up all liberals in our mainstream media. They believe being an activist for a cause and pushing only one point in an article, not giving the truth, that is what journalism is. That's like peeking back the clown, you know, you're pulling back the curtains and you're seeing the Wizard of Oz, folks. Same time frame. Professor tells March for Life supporters to shit at, sit down and shut up during a class. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, twelve tweets. If you support March for Life, but believe in cutting programs for women and children like WIC or WIN, please sit down and shut up. As you went through everything. This is a, this is a, this is a professor. It doesn't say what she's a professor from, but, but yeah, that's great. Now, pro-life leaders reacted to the devoted Planned Parenthood press. They want to make sure that you understand 7.6 million abortions since Roe versus Wade. Uh, half of them are by Planned Parenthood. And as you can tell, they go through this and over and over and over say good. Under Cecil leadership, Planned Parenthood has been exposed for refusing to report statutory rape and abuse, for aiding sex traffickers, for taking money to abort black babies, and for illegally profiting off the body parts they have aborted. If Planned Parenthood is serious about standing up for the women they claim to represent, they will hire someone who understands medicine and accepts the facts that abortion does not help women but only inflicts harm and destruction. This is their chance to turn the organization around for the good and actually help women instead of constantly telling them they cannot fulfill their dreams without killing a baby. Yeah. And another great departure, Jamel Hill, is going to go over and be on the undefeated which is just all African-American coverage. So that's our fire for effect. Going to go into the tweets of the day without a bumper because the tweet of the day, well, the first tweet is jury sides with Sheriff Clark, a Facebook free speech case. So that got scrubbed. You didn't see it in the media because they wanted him to go down because he's a conservative. So you didn't get to find the results. That's typical. But our tweet of the day I found on Twitter, and it was a conservative site that went out and just asked people, why are you doing the Women's March? This pretty much fucking sums it up in a nutshell. Well, what brings you here today? Um, everything. And uh, what are you protesting Trump for? Uh, you know, he's a conservative. I don't like conservatism. Basically, everything that he stands on as a platform, to be honest. Uh, what does your sign say? It says, kill Donald Trump, and then it says, kill Mike Pence, and then it says, it's guillotine time, bitches. But uh, get get women the same equal pay. Come on, that's no-brainer. I think that we should kill Donald Trump, and then we should also kill Mike Pence, because I wouldn't want him in office either. I'm not against an outsider, per se. Uh, but I don't think that because you're an outsider, therefore you're qualified. What, what do you think makes Trump very unqualified? Well, he's never been president. What do you think of this whole comment? He's got to go. That's all. It's just he doesn't re- he doesn't reflect us. He doesn't reflect Los Angeles. He's not supporting women-friendly legislation. What are some of the things you're worried he would take away? 
Well, uh, health care, uh, reproductive rights for one, the right abortion. to abortion. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that rings to me and a lot of these women out here, especially uh, the ones that are interested in the economy, is the fact that women are paid uh, drastically less by the dollar than than men are. And I mean, that's that's basically out there by statistics. What's your ideal political or social structure? Um, communist utopia, but I mean, that's like that's pretty hard to that's pretty hard to do. Um, is this alluding to something that's going on in Iran, the protests in Iran? Is that part of the same thing? No, it's the comments that the current president has made about Muslims. So many creative people, tens of thousands of amazing signs. Imagine if we took that creative energy and that energy to, to create things and we like built an ark or built a spaceship. We could probably be on Mars by now if we took this energy and put it towards something very productive. Somehow none of that actually surprises me. To our hate tweets, Anna Navarro. Ted Cruz is a son of a Cuban immigrant, but maybe when Cruz looks in a mirror, he sees a Norwegian. The entire world goes, you're a fucking racist. Share. Would someone please tell Sarah Huckabee Sanders to stop dressing like a sister wife? Just because you may not like someone or agree with their politics does not mean you have to be rude, start making fun of their looks. Just makes you look like you have no ability to debate an issue. And you don't, a woman said. I kind of like that. Hmm. Nicole Wallace, it's actually time for someone to sit SHS down and say, yes, you have a tough job. Yes, you are smoother than Spicer and more stable than Mooch. But if you ever use your taxpayer-funded job again to denigrate the intelligence of a reporter or the sitting U.S. senator, you're fired. Rosie. And who on Trump's team would ever consider doing that? She's doing exactly what he wants. And she will sit in hell. Yeah, I just got to cover it. Because once again, we just talked about two seconds ago. Those may be women. There's a bunch of male ones on there saying, She's a whore! Christopher Cuomo, the truth. Guests should talk more, of course, but I can't let non-facts just fly, and if the tactic is to over-talk, then I interrupt. It's not out of disrespect. It's known we are friends. I just have to do my job, and yes, I enjoy doing it. Rosie, Chris, spares your journalistic heroics. She lies, Chris. You put her on, and you act stunned, indignant. You know she lies. You know she lies. Stop talking to Chris. You're no one hero, Captain Obvious. You are the gatekeeper, Cuomo. Do your goddamn job. I'm unstable. And she truly is. Just totally fucking unfucking stable. Then there was Lewis Mench, who we covered a year ago. She was found to be a liar, just a liar, and we already know she's a liar. I'm so sorry about the dogs, guys. There's nothing I can do. My wife ain't going to be home for another hour, and I'm stuck with them for an hour, and i got to get this podcast done. So just think of, and this kind of goes well, dogs fighting in the background while I'm talking about hate tweets. Somehow it makes sense. Dinesh, you're gay, and had one night stand with a man on a Navy ship, my sources said, and that was how Russia compromented, compromented you as you were too cowardly to come out of the closet. This is recording, apparently, true or false. Isn't that gay bashing? I thought that was homophobic. 
Oh, whatever. She's a liberal. Chelsea Handler, after a month of skiing and reflection, I was able to break from this toxic news cycle. I will stay informed and watch my favorite show, Joanne Reed. But I will no longer go to sleep or wake up to the news. I want my life back. That was January 23rd. Two days later, fucking Chelsea, she says, we are with you, except we don't care about how many children die in this country. The NRA has used, has us by the balls. You're, you're both pigs. Two days. Two days as far as she made it. Dana Loesch, if we're ignoring federal laws and immigration, does that mean we can ignore federal laws regarding firearms too, since we're picking and choosing? Another one said, can we pick and choose the 15th? Not pay our taxes? I think she's right on. Because that's what the left does. They pick and choose shit that's important to them. Can I pick and choose? Speed limits? She got a ticket the other day. She's going to do it for a segment on the show. Well, let me do it real quick. This is in the hate tweets. I'm driving down the road. Two young kids and blacked out, pimped out fucking rides. African American on both sides of me. Kid cuts me off. I get in the left lane, get around and get back to the center because I have to make a trip. I'm going down a hill. I see I've exceeded the speed. I hit my brakes. The kid swerves around me. Him and the other kid flip me off and they drive down the road. So there's two cars. It's a three lane road. Cop pulls out, pulls me over. Cop comes up, is yelling at me. Cop won't talk to me. Cop gives me a ticket and tells me I need to slow down. The whole time, the cop's glaring at me. The cop was black. I was white in a Jeep. Anywhere else in the universe, if you flip that, I could say it was racism. Come to find out, my wife works with a bunch of cops. The guy's been called out three times for pulling over only white people. But do you see me on TV? No. I'm just driving really slow on that dude's beat now because he's got a problem with white folk. That'll never make your news. Nobody will do slow down, don't yell. Or like hands up, don't shoot. That didn't work. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. This one makes the hate tweets because I couldn't wait till news and social media nuggets. Is the humble sandwich a climate change culprit? University of Manchester says the humble sandwich is worse than the 8.6 million cars in Britain alone. Why are you going to fucking hate on sandwiches, bro? Come on. Then there was this one. Uh, conservatives get sick of true cons batching altering Trump. So they said, I'm no fan of Trump, but it was a hashtag. I thought it was really funny. So here's some of them. Maybe I'll start all my tweets with, I'm no fan of Trump, but that's mole ratty. Mobot. My favorite, young female, millennial, gives me hope that not all these kids are brainwashed. So here's some of them, since she started it. I probably should have said she started it first, but whatever. I'm not a fan of Trump, but I locked my keys in the car. I'm no fan of Trump, but my computer just crashed again, and all the IT guys could do is ask if I rebooted it. <laughs> I'm no fan of Trump, but I'm really hoping to take a day or two off without lifting anything in curling motion because my tendon in my left arm is strained and needs a rest. I'm no fan of Trump, but oatmeal raisin cookies are chocolate chip wannabes made nefariously to trick people into eating them. <laughs> and it goes on and on. I thought it was funny because the reality is there's no fucking way you can say anything nowadays without being Trump's fault. Everything's Trump. How do I know that? 
this tweet. Anna Navarro again. Elton John is retiring and Trump is going to live to be 200. Somebody asked, how in the hell can you spin Elton John retirement into something about Trump? That is some next level Trump derangement syndrome. And he's right. Mm, totally right. Then there's our big hate. Michael Wolf is feeding some rumor that Nikki Haley is having a affair with Trump. This is what he said on Bill Marl. We just have to read between the lines. It's toward the end of the book. You'll know it now that I've told you. When you hit the paragraph, you're going to say bingo. Marr asked if a hint was about somebody Trump fucking now. It is, Wolf said. Seth Mandel sums up everything. Michael Wolf is a horrible person and gets rich off his lies. Another tweeter. I mean, this really undermines basically everything in the book. This isn't journalism. This article says, how in the hell does she deserve this? She was asked this question, and she had to fucking answer the question. A woman, African-American, Michael Wolf's accusation that Nikki Haley is an affair with Trump is your categorical reminder this book is garbage. Kudos to the media for treating like gospel for a week, though. Really well done. New York Times, the slut-shaming of Nikki Haley. The slut-shaming of Nikki Haley. We're going to go in a time machine. That was computer sounds. We're back in 2007. The slut-shaming of Susan Powers. Would that ever have been done? Probably not. Steve Maisie, attention New York Times editor, slut-shaming would be criticizing Haley for her sexual exploits. Making up fake sexual exploit isn't slut-shaming. It's lying. Dan Pershing. Genuinely terrible headline. It's not even the right term for what's happening. John Harwood. Good piece with revolting headline that actually spreads a smear that the author decries. New York Times opinion. Here's the premise of the article, which I totally agree with. Imagine what the reaction would be to a rumor peddled by a prominent writer that Samantha Power was sleeping with President Obama. Heads would explode. But if the woman's Nikki Haley... Not so much. That's the premise of the article. My tweet to them. New York Times opinion, your premise is spot on. In fact, your premise goes for the entire Trump administration. As a non-Trumper independent, I said over and over, none of this would happen under Obamaco. You wouldn't let it happen. Yet your headline in itself shows you know it, but don't. They don't care. Love the article, but you could never get away with that if it was Obama. So, since this is a long, long podcast today in the front end, we're going to go to a music break, and then we're going to come back into our hypocrisy of the day. It'll be without a bumper, but you'll hear some sound bites to go. We're going to um, start our music today with Chris Stapleton. Watch him on Saturday Night Live. Total depressing episode, Will Ferrell, I I was crushed. I thought it would be funny, but it was more hurtful, hateful, petulant left stuff. So it wasn't that good of a show. So enjoy the tunes on the other side. Hypocrisy.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. In this that is me, the dead are rolling over. Steve, on Tuesday, there was a high school in Kentucky. Monday, a school cafeteria outside Dallas, a charter school parking lot uh, in New Orleans as well. There have been 11 shootings at schools in the first 23 days of this year. In October, after the Vegas shooting, you said it was an unspeakable tragedy from that podium. You said it was a day for consoling survivors and mourning those who we lost. You said there's a time and place for political debate. What has the president done in the time since October to try to prevent any of these shootings from taking place? Thanks so much, Wait, sir, to be clear, you, were talking, you said we all agree that we want students to be safe at schools. That's not in dispute. And we all agree we don't want there to be crime. But what is the president specifically doing? You guys said at the time today was not the day, but we should have these Look, policies. I just, I just read off a lot of the things that he's doing. We should have a policy conversation. So the question is, what is the policy the president's willing to pursue or actively direct others to pursue to help make sure that these students are safe. And you can see some of the things that we've done since well, taking off. For the nation and tell Americans how he feels about this issue and try to do what he can with the bully pulpit. I, I, I think he has, Peter. I mean, to sit there and question, I'm sorry, hold on. Let, I was polite and let you finish, but let, let me be very clear on this. The fact that you're basically accusing the president of being complicit in a school shooting is outrageous. It's his, his advertisement that accuses the Democrats of being complicit on a different topic. I'm not accusing the president of Ignoring the fact that the safety and security of our borders is very different. The president has been very clear and instructed the top law enforcement agency in this country to crack down on crime and to do everything they can to prevent these types of... But also today, just a few miles from the shooting that forced Calzadillas to relearn how to walk, talk, and eat on her own again... The NRA is holding day three of the world's largest firearms industry expo. There has been virtually no action on Capitol Hill regarding gun control, despite the 1,500 mass shootings we've seen since the Sandy Hook massacre in 2012. And this week, we saw the nation's 11th high school shooting this year, the second just this week. Remember, it's only January. Monday, a 15-year-old girl was shot and killed in Texas. Her teenage classmate is accused of the crime. Tuesday, it happened again at a high school in Kentucky. Two 15-year-olds murdered, 18 others hurt. This L.A. Times headline sums it up. Another school shooting ho-hum, says America. What is going on here? Is this okay now? Are we as Americans now okay with kids killing kids? Is it even a question that's worth asking anymore? After all, it seems like we've gotten our answer. We've gotten it 1,500 times since Sandy Hook. That'll wrap things up for me this hour. This story hits close to home. It's a Michigan man. He's been arrested after he allegedly made numerous calls to CNN headquarters in Atlanta threatening to kill this network's employees. His name is Brandon Greismer allegedly made 22 calls to CNN on January 9th and 10th. Four of those calls, which were recorded, contained threats, according to the federal affidavit. And there's nothing random about this. Nothing. This is what happens when the President of the United States, Donald Trump, repeatedly attacks members of the press simply for reporting facts he does not like. The President, just this morning, Blasting our very own Jim Acosta and calling CNN fake news. 
a charge he has leveled at the press, not just CNN, over and over. The media is rigged. You are fake news. Yeah, I think the media is the opposition party in many ways. The fake media is trying to silence us, but we will not let them. A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. Sir, do you want people to come in from other parts of the world where there are people of color? I've heard from a number of very credible sources from within the White House that you watch this show. You deny it all the time, but then you, you know, say something disparaging about me. And the only way you would know that is if you saw the show. So, Mr. President, I'm going to speak directly to you. We are not the enemy. We are not trying to silence you. It is the job of the free press to report the facts, to ask questions, tough questions, ones you don't like, even if you don't like the facts or those questions. No matter how many times you attack us as fake news, we will continue to do our jobs. When you make that baseless and incendiary charge, be aware that people are listening to you some very dangerous people. According to a federal affidavit, the caller who threatened to kill CNN employees made his threat using these words, quote, fake news. I'm coming to gun you all down. Fake news. I wonder where he got that, those words. And in the second call, quote, I am on my way right now to gun the effing CNN cast down. I am coming to kill you. So I can only speak for myself, but I know my coworkers have also had threats at this network, other networks, other news organizations. There's an open case with the NYPD right now with someone who is threatening to kill me. When you, Donald Trump, tweet the post of a train hitting CNN. You might think it's funny. It's not. It's stupid. It's actually childish. My 10-year-old nephew wouldn't even do something like that. When you tweet a doctored video of you body slamming CNN, people are watching. What grade are you in? People take that message seriously. And if one of us is hurt or, God forbid, something else in some way or another, because you either don't understand the power of your words and or you don't care, it won't be a fake injury or, sadly, a fake death. It'll be real. And how will you answer those questions then, not only from journalists, but from our loved ones? Because you're going to have to do it. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Let's hope you see the error of your ways as well. So my question to Don Lemon is what you heard at the end of it's your fault if somebody gets hurt because you slammed a logo or some shit. Uh, how about the congressional baseball? Does the left get blamed for that? How about Paddock? Does the left get blamed for that? How about the black shooter in Antioch? Left get blamed for that? No. But you're going to blame the president if somebody at CNN gets hurt. It's a really big thing because you've run out of things to say. You've cycled Russia. You've cycled this is not how we do things. You've cycled nothing but false stories. The first seven out of 11 stories you put out about Trump were all fake. Within this hypocrisy segment, you have another fucking 
ad with bananas, apples, grapefruits, and zucchinis again. I don't understand what you're trying to say because everybody knows you're fucking biased to shit and you hate Trump. Even your own network asked people that we will hear, do you think Trump is getting a fair shake to the media? Black? Striped? Didn't matter who they were. No! No sane American other than the resistance who believe the media's right-leaning because they're Clintonites, that's why we have Media Matters, would think for a second that the media is actually giving Trump a break. Nobody would believe that. Nobody. Nobody. So shut up. See, here's my theory. I think Don Lemon does this shit because his ratings suck because he's a boring show. He's just a boring show. The only people who watch that are saying people watch Joy Reid. Clickbait and race baiting. That's the only reason why you tune in. They tune in to watch Anderson Cooper. Well, really, they tune in for Jake Tapper because he's unbiased sometimes. Then you go to the gay Anderson Cooper who is going to bash him, but he's not going to totally get involved like you are. And then they go to you, and you're just so into it. I mean, you're full-fledged, 100%. Trump's the devil because I'm a gay guy, and he's homophobic, but I can't prove it. I'm black. He's a racist, but nobody can prove it. I can't wait to play the soundbite because the black lady says that. I, the guy talked to me. He's not a racist. I don't know where people are saying he's a racist. She's black. Of course, to you, Don Lemon, she's an Uncle Tom. I got it. So we start... Into our other stuff. I guess I just did start hypocrisy. Jeffrey Tubin says, I regret my role in the false equivalence coverage of HRC during the campaign. He did a full mea culpa saying, I'm so sorry that I did any reporting on her because she is beyond reproach. Beyond reproach. Then there's the New York Times. Greg Katowski. The New York Times profile of Dana Loesch is better than I expected, but it definitely paints her as somebody who's afraid all the time. It's not accurate. I doubt they come to the same conclusion if they knew her better if they read my recent piece on her. The difference between pro-gun and anti-gun women is how we view ourselves. Pro-gun women realize that there are real threats out there and there are people who want to cause us harm. We know that at any moment we could be a victim of sexual assault or domestic violence. It comes with a history of being a woman. Instead of allowing ourselves to fall victim to a crime, we want to do everything in our power to make sure we aren't wishing we stood up to defend ourselves. Anti-gun women, on their hand, are in denial about the world we live in. They live in a fairy tale world where nothing goes wrong, and it does. It can be solved by sitting down and talking things out. As with all women I spoke to for my piece, and who I've known for a good while, they're aware of and prepared for the real, the very real and very graphic threats that but it's impossible to say any of them allow those threats to drive the way they live. If you spend much time with any women featured in my piece about gun ownership, you see they're laid back and fun to be around. They aren't waiting around the coterre and living in fear. They're just prepared in case it happens. But would the New York Times ever do a piece like that? No, she's Satan. If I somehow broke out, this podcast would be Satan. Because unless you're with them, you're Satan. I should have put this forward, but Jimmy Kimmel's going to bring on, wait for it, Stormy Daniels from the State of the Union. A disproven thing. Okay. Then we have CNN headlines, just because I love doing this. 
Cuckolding can be positive for some couples, study says. Somebody tweeted that with, we are real news, Mr. President. <laughs> okay. Cuckolding. And if people don't know what that is, it's your spouse watching his, or the male watching his wife have sex with another man. That's cuckolding. I had to look it up, to be quite honest, because I didn't know what that was. I've seen it a lot, but I don't really go on the dark side of the web. The other one, when Trump says thank you to the media, it really means get out. That's a uh, scroller on CNN. Hmm. So then we have our Jim Acosta segment. I'm not going to play it. I'm just not gonna, I'm so sick of Jim Acosta. Fuck it. Here's some of his tweets. After Trump says of Davos has been really successful, I ask him how he can be America first if he's rubbing elbow bigwigs. He did not respond. That's because it was an asinine question. You're such a hack journalist. You can't even ask a serious question. You just want your own soundbite played back so you can be on CNN with a crappy news show. Then he said, Trump says he benefited from friendly media as a businessman, but when he became president, he realized how fake a press can be. Boos and hisses. It's too bad the founder and exec chairman of WEF18 didn't take exception to Trump's remark on the press. Disappointing. So when you break it down, people were there, and what do they say? The boos and hisses came from the fucking media, and then the media were booed and hissed all over the place there. Our media. Not anybody else's. Our media was booed and hissed. Because they're fucking atrocious. Just atrocious. Then there was this bomb. I'm going to read the article. For two years I have talked about media bias. And people think I'm sitting here with a bag of Cheetos and a tinfoil hat on. But there are those moments in time when things come out and you go, man, if this was a Republican, could this have ever happened? This is one of those moments. A journalist announced last week that he will publish a photo of then-Illinois Senator Barack Obama and the Nation of Islam leader, Louis Farrakhan, that he took in 2005 at a Congressional Black Caucus meeting but did not make public because he believed would make a difference to Obama's political future. Askaya Muhammad, let that just sit for a second, told the trice Endy Newswire that he gave the picture up at a time and basically swore secrecy. But after the nomination was secured all the way up to un- until the inauguration, then for eight years after he was president, it was kept under cover, Muhammad said. Asked whether he thought the photos released would have affected Obama's presidential campaign, Muhammad said, I insist it absolutely would have made a difference. Reached by TPM on Thursday, Muhammad said staff member from CBC, Congressional Black Contact Congress, contacted him sort of in a panic after he took a photo at their meeting. I sort of understood what's going on, Muhammad said, said, I promised the made him arrangements to give them the picture. And he handed it away with the disc, so he had nothing. Realizing that I had given it up, I mean, it was sort of like a promise to keep the photograph secret. Muhammad said he did not release a copy of the photo because he thought it would be perceived as a betrayal of the promise. I was really, I guess, afraid of them. The Congressional Black Caucus. Muhammad said he thought the photograph would be damaging politically, 
if it were released and was afraid that someone might break into his apartment looking for it, that Watergate crap felt a little bit more at ease after Farrakhan in 2016 claimed that Obama visited him at his home and said, I don't want anything to do with you. A spokesman from Obama referred TPM to remarks he made in 1995 about, I don't want nothing to do with him. Muhammad is the news director to Washington, D.C. radio station, WPFW, and served the national... Nation of Islam official newspaper, the final call. So the Congressional Black Caucus and news media knew this photo existed of Barack Obama with a man that hates white people. The Congressional Black Caucus is with a person that hates white people, and they never released that. Yet we found out Mitt Romney cut some dude's head that could have been gay back in 1960-something. During the same time. I guess that was 2012. It just goes to show they report everything on conservatives. They do investigative reporting. They're doing their job. But when it's a Democrat, they don't do shit. Yet. Next bias or hypocrisy. Trump's going to cut aid to Palestinians because of the bullshit they're doing to Israelis. Joy Reid flips the fuck out. Trump tells Netanyahu, you won on Jerusalem, so you'll just give up another point. Apparently, after Trump breaks the Palestinian by starving them, and there will be broken Palestinian capital B. Yeah, ace negotiator. The entire world said to her, a boss just bought a $50 million jet. What are we talking about starving? What is it with you, Joy Reid, that Kim Jong-un's a good guy? Hitler today criticizes Trump. You be saying, look at Hitler said. He's right. Dirty fucking Jews. You're a racist, Joy Reid. But I'll give her this much. She doesn't block people for calling a racist. I've not been blocked by Joy Reid. This other fuck toy, Brian Seltzer, though, gonna play it. Well, I'll just play it. Then I'll read what this idiot said. Here's a new CNN ad. Some people might try to tell you that this is an apple. It might even start as a joke. But when they say it over and over and over again, and people start to believe it. It's only a matter of time until someone gets hurt. Sweet Jesus, these people are embarrassing. He tweeted, new CNN ad shows an apple peel. Some people might try to tell you what this is an apple. It might even start as a joke, but when they say it over and over and over again, and people start to believe it, it only matters of time before someone gets hurt. Words matter. So do facts. Facts first. Chris Hoke. The self, the level of self-sanctimonious behavior here by CNN is quite something. Four CNN stories were correct in the Trump's first 11. I had that backwards. I thought it was, they only had uh, four right, but it was four. I still dispute that. I think I think I read somewhere, that it doesn't matter. They've been lying and making shit up. 
all the facts we want to present, but ignore the, these other facts that blow a hole in our narrative, somebody tweeted. Is this a banana? A peeled banana? An eaten peeled banana? CNN, did you eat my banana? There is a black hole of journalism in CNN. That's just sham. It's just sham's fault. And then Stephen Miller. Remember how CNN anchor did hands up, don't shoot, a gesture that never happened on air? I guess Baltimore and Ferguson business owners who lost everything, new fires, and Dallas cops can hold CNN accountable thanks to your cool new ad. That wins the internet. It just wins the internet. You have no leg to stand on CNN. They did it on air. Sally Cohn, all your, Brooke Baldwin, black people said that was false. Black witnesses, black attorney general, and a black president. Are you racist now? You don't believe black people, CNN? To Armenia Mash, Donnie Deutsch, this was on MSDNC, the GOP are cockroaches. Grey's Anatomy, a BLM speech in the middle. I had to watch this because my wife watches it. This guy is the biggest tool. He hates soldiers. He hates everything. How he, I don't know how he could be a movie star. He, he's a fucking piece of shit. Superstore, which I watch, making fun, like, if you believe in angels as a Christian, you might as well just believe in Sasquatch. The View, S.E. Cup, crushing those dried up hypocritical pieces of shit over Bill Clinton's hypocrisy. Forget the obstruction, forget the actual right. charge. This continual assault on the things that protect us, our intelligence community, the media, the judicial system. I want to hear today from Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. What do they say about this? When you now, you know, I want to hear what they say. The president tried to fi- wanted to fire Bob Mueller. He was asked about it. He said fake news. What do you say, sirs? What do you say? It's time for these cockroaches to come out from under their rocks and respond. What do you say, gentlemen? Oh, I don't know who you're calling cockroaches, but I do think it would be very helpful for every every member of Congress to come out. Jackson? It was a high-pressure situation. An officer made a judgment call. No, there's no judgment in that call. That was just a reaction. You see skin color. We all do, but the reaction that you give to a white kid versus a brown kid in that split second, that's the measurable, fixable difference. Bias is human. We have guns. You're using guns, so yours is lethal. You aren't racist. You just never know who has a gun. I didn't say anything about racist, I said bias. And lucky for us, bias is fixable. You have protocols in place. Those can be adjusted. You can fix it. Or you can keep pretending that it doesn't exist at all. Kids are dying. This kid is dead. For what? So many people that look just like him are dying. For what? I wear a mermaid. I would clean up. I think you'd be a merman. Yeah, I don't really think merman as a thing. Then how did they used to, you know... Unless that's why they went extinct. (laughs) They didn't go extinct. (laughs) They lost their tails over the course of centuries and turned into humans. It's called evolution. I don't think so. Okay, fine. God made us. Look at the human eye. 
It's too complicated. No, I, I believe in evolution. I'm just saying it's make-believe. Like, it's like unicorns. We don't know that there were never unicorns. I read that we discover like 50 new species of frogs each year. Maybe scientists just haven't discovered unicorns yet. Frogs are tiny. I think somebody would have noticed a unicorn. A lot of people believe unicorns exist. A lot of people believe in Bigfoot. A lot of people believe in angels. I believe in angels. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, I do. I used what bothers me, though, in giving her this platform, you know, Monica Lewinsky was also caught having an affair with a president. Mm -hmm. Who's going to interview her? I'd love to see someone interview yeah. her. Her life was ruined she's been by this affair. Times. What are you talking about? Bring her back. Jimmy Kimmel's going to have been Stormy this, Daniels been on. This, on. You're talking about Monica Jimmy, Lewinsky? Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel she's needs been, to have her on his show if he expects us to watch an interview with Stormy Daniels and take it seriously. Stormy Daniels is killing it. Monica Lewinsky's life was destroyed. But Monica's, a, Monica's more of an upstanding, you know, not that yeah. this girl is but, not. She's a porn star. And Bill Clinton. So what? It's a little but different from Monica. This is why Monica should be given more But Bill more Clinton of a isn't the president anymore. The president is oh, Donald Trump. Yeah. So it's, it's much more relevant at the no, very no, no. least. No, this is all going to come back to roost until the left really deals with the fact that feminists like Gloria Steinem yeah. and Hillary Clinton herself went after these women and attacked that was them bad. and smeared them. Yes. Until the, that is all reckoned with, you can't say, well, he's not president but anymore. But if you go back in history and you bring back every woman who shook president, the whole building would be killed. <laughs> I mean, starting with Thomas Jefferson and his slave girl, Sally Hemings. I think what she's trying to say yeah. is that there is a and lot George of... Washington oh. did it too, I heard. <laughs> and before we go into our stats of a day... I have some special sound bites I have to play. The first one is positive reporting. Well, they both are, kind of. It's CBS saying Soros, George Soros, on air. They even call him a liberal donor. So he kind of got the coke treatment, which really surprises the shit out of me. And then Jake Tapper talking to Joe Manchin about Nancy Pelosi's very vitriolic and hurtful and hateful and could cause people to hurt other people rhetoric. Okay, they didn't say all that, but I added it in. And then we'll go into our stats of the day. Enjoy. Not every financial leader has been receptive to the president. Uh, legendary investor and well-known liberal philanthropist George Soros called Mr. Trump a threat to the world. And not all business leaders are receptive to President Trump's message. Tonight, legendary investor and well-known liberal philanthropist George Soros called Mr. Trump a threat to the world and said U.S. institutions are the only thing preventing him from turning the country into a mafia state. He's going to be just good. Let's, let's turn to immigration if we can, sir. The White House framework for a deal on the Dreamers includes a pathway to citizenship for 1.8 million of them in exchange for major changes uh, to the family immigration system, the diversity lottery, $25 billion for border security in the wall. Uh, Republican immigration uh, hardliners such as Senators Cotton and Purdue, they support the president's framework. But I want you to take a listen to what Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi had to say about the proposal. Well, I'm on the subject of dreamers since last night the president put forth a plan. Let me just say what I said last night. That plan is a campaign to make America white again. Make America white again. Where do you come down, sir? You know what? We don't need that type of rhetoric on either side. 
from Nancy, Paul Ryan, or anybody else. And I come down this. The president has laid out a template. We're going to look at that template, and we're going to work with it. I think of what it really comes down to, Jake. How big do you want to go? stats of the day. The Cleveland Indians are getting rid of their Indian Wahoo Chief Wahoo logo by 2019 because they buckled this pressure. Redskins don't give in. State of California. Almost every stat of the day I have a state of California because these fucking people are insane. Do you want to hear how insane? Considering a law that would fine waiters $1,000 or throw them in jail for six months if they Wait for it, drum roll. Bring you a straw and you didn't ask for it. That's right. They walk up and just hand you a straw. That's a thousand dollar fine because of the planet or something. What the fuck is wrong with you? The actual city councilman, Calderon, we're going to have our main subject today, is another city councilman from Pico Rivera. Mm. It's a good one, too. We need to create awareness around the issue of one-time-use plastic straws and the detrimental effects on our landfills, waterways, and oceans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. That's so, so important. A fucking straw. How about diapers, dick? You want to fix landfill, it's fucking diapers. Go after diapers and see how far that goes. Because last time I checked, liberals, Latinas, the whole world uses fucking huggies. And probably most of our land, I don't know, I'll, you know what, I'm going to research that. I bet you 50% of our landfills are fucking huggies. Full of shit. Not biodegrading anytime soon. NFL radio ratings not only are down, but their ad revenues down 1.2%. I want to make sure you understand that. Down 1.2%. Another statistic from the NFL is 281 con- concussions were diagnosed in 2017. It's the most in the last six years, and it's directly related to the collective bargaining agreement where these pussies don't hit anymore. That's why every major player is down sometime, and they're always getting hurt and getting boo-boos because they don't fucking hit. They just don't hit. Am I wrong? Anybody out there? Am I wrong? I don't think I am. And then to the worst brands in the world. Number one, Trump Hotels. Not surprising with the moon bats going around and doing ratings. So I'm not really going to count that one. The number one mainstream big thing is CNN. The number one worst brand in the United States. Followed by Fox News, NBC News, New York Times, MSDNC, is tied with the NFL, then ABC News, then CBS News, then the Washington Post. So even if you're doing the odds out there, well, Trump's number one, Trump and Fox, since you guys think they're super, super, super biased, 
I don't watch them anymore, but I don't hear a whole lot of shit coming about Fox anymore because even Fox bashes Trump. You got two things out of the top ten. The rest are eight liberal icons that suck big, big, big time. So, I don't think you're doing too good. To another music break, we're going to segment one. I'm just going to play the segment. So, we're going to hear music. The bumper, and you're going to go into what a liberal California councilman and a teacher curses and yells at a student in a class in California, high school, because he was wearing a Marine Corps shirt. Oh, this shit's going to make my head spin.
Politics, the show for normal Americans. Don't you ever freaking bring the freaking military into this country. I don't understand why we let the freaking military guys come over here and recruit you at school. We don't let pimps come into school. Right, anyone interested in being a hoe? <laughs> they're gonna freaking and they're gonna freaking lie to you and they're gonna die. And this is what you gotta do all the time. I'm gonna go to the military. Why? Oh, so I can have to pay for my college. Bull freaking shit. If you were interested in college, would you ever consider the military? No. But you bullshit this out because you wasted 13 years of your education and you have no other options. And you're trying to figure out what am I gonna do? And then they give you all that bullshit. Oh, see the world. See the freaking world. We can see the world down a freaking ship or something like that. What do you, what do you think you're on vacation? It's freaking stupid. You're, one, you're not going to go to college. And the reason you're not going to go to college is because you're not a student. Because if you're truly a student, you'd be going to college. Maybe you'd college. But you have no other option. This is why I can compare to you. I can't remember any type. 9-11, World Trade Center. Do you guys recall, you guys are too little to remember it, but you guys have seen footage where people were jumping out of like the 100th floor of the World Trade Center. You remember seeing footage like that? All right. Why did they do that? What was going to happen to them jumping, though? Yeah, they were going to die, right? But jumping from 100 floors and turning into freaking, they probably never disintegrated they hit the ground. Trip out this, you know people die who are on the ground from getting clobbered by people who jump? You know, it's like a freaking meteor coming out of the sky. It's like, boom, both of these people died. They freaking bang their heads and they kind of freaking toast. Now, they jumped right there because the planes hit like in the 80th floor. So, like, there was a freaking inferno in there. And it was so bad in there, like, they would rather jump and die that way than burn it down. Which option is better? That's like saying, do you want to eat dog shit or cat shit? <laughs> you know, you know. How do you guys go dog shit? <laughs> so, if you join the military, it's because you have no other option. Because you didn't take care of business academically, because your parents didn't love you enough to push you, and then you didn't love yourself enough to push yourself, which isn't even that hard. It's not even that hard. You just have to focus a little bit. You don't even have to work hard. You just have to focus. And you didn't do it. So now you're thinking, sure. Parents on my ass and do something. And then your parents even encourage it sometimes. Because they want to get you off of their ass. And they want to get your grandma and grandpa off of their ass because their grandson's a piece of shit. And they want the neighbors to think that you're okay. They're, oh, Johnny joined the military. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's just so they can get you out of their hair for two or three or four or six years. But someone's going to tell you when to get up, when to go to sleep, what to eat, what to wear, when you can crap when you can call home, when you can go home for three days, why would anyone ever sign up for that? And then they go, well, they're gonna pay for my notes, they're gonna pay for my, my education. Are you aware do you, do you have a GPA of 0.0? .0? You're not a student, dude. What, what makes you think all of a sudden you're gonna get turned down to freaking education? You don't give a shit about education, but you say that just to get people off your back. Most people will actually get off your back, I won't. I'll freaking come on your freaking heart. So I'm like, you can bullshit yourself all you want, man. I don't have any obligation to sit here and listen to your freaking bullshit. Don't go to the freaking house. Don't freaking worry. Some of you guys are still going to go there. Like, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And people who love you are going to encourage you to freaking do it. 
you're gonna you get because you're gonna be desperate. You're gonna need to jump out of a hundred story window because you have no other option. Now that's it. Why are you waiting on the Marine Shore? That's your window card. I am what if the action says I love freaking pee pee? Do I like it? No? No? Hey, Like, why would you wear something that you can't bring in support? Like, don't ever wear that again. Don't ever wear it here. If you wear it here, I'm going to get a shirt made for you. This is actually a future. Alright. That's not photoshopped. You can't say that's Project Veritas. That's a young man who taped it, put it on Facebook. It went viral. The lady I found it on, it had been watched uh, between the three videos over a million times. So to the story, a California City Councilman is high school's history teacher at El Rancho High School in Pico Rivera, California, were caught on video disparaging United States military and calling its members dumb shits who are not high-level thinkers. Greg Salcedo is a current member of the Pico Rivera City Council. Three profanity-laced videos. I played two of them. Serviced on Facebook Friday of Salcedo, Salcedo declaring his students that the members of the military are dumb people who joined because they were poor students and that they were the lowest of low of the country. They're the frickin' lowest of our low, Salcedo can be heard saying. Three videos of Cito's comments were posted to Facebook by a family friend of the student who took it, and they quickly went viral. The student, who wished to remain anonymous, is a son and nephew of military veterans and told the local paper, it was so disrespectful to my dad and my uncles and all the veterans and those still in the military. Throughout the three videos, Salcedo can be heard using vulgar language to describe the military as failed students with no other option but to serve. We've got a bunch of dumb shits over there. Think about the people who you know who are over there. They're freaking stupid Uncle Lewis or whatever. They're dumb shits. They're not like high-level thinkers. They're not academic people. They're not intellectual people. They're the freaking lowest of the low. Not morally. I'm not saying that they're bad moral decisions. They're not talented people. It's all over the place, other than mainstream media. CNN didn't cover this. ABC didn't cover this. MSDNC didn't cover this. Nobody covered it. It's conservative. Then, Town Hall does it, and they link it to another guy. Another soundbite. We're going to play in a second to what he did. Or said in another class that has nothing to do with the military. This is the type of person this this teacher is. So in his reply to it in the town hall article, um, he says on his Facebook, I don't think it's wise for me to make any specific comments, but I want my friends, family, and students to know we are fine and we respect the rights of free expression for all individuals in reference to the controversial backlash on what he said. Pico Rivera Mayor Gustavo Camacho sent KCAL 9 and CBS 2 a statement saying the city of Pico Rivera were found upon the principles, values, and sacrifice of many of our veterans who, when called upon by our nation, serve with great pride and honor. But we're doing nothing about this because the majority of the people that live in Pico Rivera are resistance members and part of Antifa. So we're scared to fucking death to burn the place down. Which links to John Tegan, not only as teacher council member hit a student in 2010, he disrespected, belittled our students for wanting to join the Marines in front of his peers, which you should never do as a teacher in a classroom environment. He also believes pedophilia shouldn't be a crime. 
Would you want your kid in this school? Please share this audio of this wizard. You know what's one thing that I don't think should be a crime? You guys think I'm crazy here, but I mean, <laughs> and it's a disgusting subject. But I, as, I, as I think about it, I just think, like, why would that be a crime? You guys know people get arrested for having a kitty porn on their phone or their computer? Like downloading pictures and stuff like that? You didn't take them, you're not in them, but you downloaded them, and you get arrested for that? I don't think you should. I think you're a freaking pig. I don't think you should get arrested because you have nothing to do with it. Should that be a crime? And if so, why? You know, it should be a crime too. It's not a crime. When you try to kill yourself and you fail, shouldn't you get arrested for murder? Attempted murder? You know they don't? No, they put you in the crazy house. They say crazy. So who jumped out of, out of the World Trade Center? The 100th story? Crazy? You, you, you gotta be a big loser if you try to kill yourself and you fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pedophilia, that's not bad. It's okay. Gary Sinise, such stupidity and ignorance of this so-called teacher in California regarding the intelligence of men and women serving our country overseas. An outrageous insult to all who have served, including former President of the United States. Feel sad for his students. I doubt this te ignorant teacher could go through the mathematical training my father went through to fly jets for the Marine Corps, much less have the balls learn how to land one on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the storm in the Pacific. That's somebody replying to the same thread. The Al Rancho Unified School District Board members' emails tamiroerusd.org, garosoerusd.org, avilionerusd.org, Joe Solara, ERUSD.org, and Idileo, ERUSD.org. If you want them, email the show at foppodcast at gmail.com. I'll send it to you. Somebody said, I caught the headline, didn't read the story, didn't have to. The irony the freedom provides for the teacher to express that opinion came out of the price provided by those the teacher chastises. A large one from a female Marine. Another one. I went to medical school after serving as an infantryman. Many of the physician and nurse colleagues were former military. Many of my military friends were successful attorneys and businessmen. I realize we are beating a dead horse, but what is wrong with this guy? Then during the same time period, Kendrick Lamar comes out with his shit on America with lyrics that are fucking, fucking horrible, Britt McHenry, who used to be on Fox, got destroyed for saying it by everybody. Rolling Stones, see Kendrick Lamar, U2, and David Chappelle unite to perform a visceral, politically charged opening of the Grammys that would never be played if Trump, if Obama was office. Kendrick Lamar earns a standing ovation of his powerful political opening performance at CNN, and then a review on it. I'm not going to play a soundbite, because we have a very long pro podcast, and you can't hear it anyway. The dark heart of Kendrick Lamar's dam comes midway through Triple X, when Lamar is given a chance to offer a message of peace and declines. He raps about a friend of his whose only son was murdered, and who then came to Lamar asking for Christian solace. He was looking for some closure, hoping I could bring him closer to the spiritual. Lamar replies, squarely Old Testament, 
preaching not for forgiveness, but an eye for an eye. I can't sugarcoat the answer for you. This is how I feel. If somebody kill my son, that means somebody getting killed. A vision of graphic revenge that unspools the imagine himself facing the same horror that's befallen so many black parents in American history. It's with this uncompromising verse, Lamar chose to open the 60th Grammy, backed by an image of American flag and surrounded by marchers in ski masks and fatigues. He fixed his face to look at sadness and rapped, ain't no black power when your baby killed by a coward. It's not remarked if it was killed by a cop, but that's how they portrayed it. And it wasn't fatigues. It was military issue multicam with vests and everything. It was a political statement. The confrontation only escalates from there through text behind him at one point offered a disclaimer. This is a satire by Kendrick Lamar, YouTube Bono, and Edge Walkout, and Morphal Chorus shared by Triple X and by American Soul, a song off YouTube's latest. Lamar then erupted in a portion of his single DNA when self-analysis turns to fury as critics both in the rap world and the political media. The closing line, sex, money, murder, our DNA, then came another disclaimer from another superstar, the comedian Dave Chappelle, I just want to remind the audience, the only thing more frightening than watching a black man be honest is America's being honest and black men in America. Then it was back to Lamar, dueling with a taco drummer and white Nikes to perform his boastful part of Rich the Kid's new Fraser, freezer. Chappelle re- returned to Marvel, mocked the bleeds. Is this cable? CBS? Rumble, young man, rumble, which made no sense. Rumble Lamar did, for the gripping final segment, the rapper delivered his verse from J-Rock's King's Dead. As the dancers around him, clothed in red, fell to the ground one by one, gunshot sounded. His lyrics, burn your moral, burn your family, burn your tribe, burn your land, burn your children, burn your wives. To some, his biggest virtue is that it represents the hope that hip-hop can may, remain a force of positive consciousness and high mental lyricism. But Lamar is more complicated than that. He was out to make a statement about black rage and to torch the notion that it be anyone's represent, representability totem. Who am I, he asked in the final moments on stage. Not your future, not your comfort, not your reverence, not your glory. Now, as a white man who's watched the news and stayed abreast of who's really killing black men, Was that a black statement against black men killing black men? Because that's what's really happening. It's not the white man. It's not the KKK. It's not the police. It's the black man killing the black man. Ain't like a bunch of crackers went up to Chicago and started killing 500 people a year. So what is this political statement? Because I'm confused. But then he wore military uniforms, had the American flag... And the highest order of patriotism is once again dogging America in our country, a la George Bush, a la Barack Hussein Obama, who suppressed a photo with a known racist. Fuck all of you. See, you're not hearing me scream about the teacher. That doesn't surprise me. I've been on this show for two years saying the left hates soldiers. You know why? Because they're jealous of soldiers. They don't have the courage. They don't have the integrity. They don't have the backbone to go out and defend this country. Regardless who the president is. Regardless of the skin of the color of the skin of that president. Regardless of the policies. Regardless of what party's in power. They don't give a flying fuck. They love the country. Yeah, you could say the kids that sign up once to get the fuck out. They went for college. They were in a bad spot. 
But the career soldiers, E6 and above, that are fighting these wars that the Democrats and the Republicans started, continued, made worse with Barack Obama's nativity and pulling us out of theaters and starting a big clusterfuck called ISIS. They all push this, folks. It's not the white man pushing it. It's not Bush. Bush ain't been in office for nine fucking years. We're still fighting that war. And you can line up the black infantrymen, the Latino infantrymen, the white infantrymen, the racist white infantrymen, the racist black infantrymen, the le- the freaking Asian infantrymen, the American e- Indian infantrymen. They're there for each other and they're there to defend this country against the enemy that will chop your head off, regardless if you're black, regardless if you voted for, voted for Obama, regardless if you hate Trump. They're just going to kill you. That's why they're fighting it. So like Kendrick Lamar and the teacher, disparaged soldiers, I say, where you been? What the fuck is new? What's new? I see all the outrage. What's new? He just got caught on tape. But it's done in our high schools. When I was in high school, they brought in a conscious objector who disparaged me because I had a crew cut and I signed up for delayed entry. Lost my college ride. I wanted to serve. Get my head right. Turn it into a career. That was 1984. The left at all hates the military because they can't be that dangerous man in the night defending everybody while they sleep. Progs defend words. What's the latest you can't say it? How do I chillingly speak so that you can't win the argument. What's the latest? For Van Jones, it started with, what are we going to tell the kids? It's a whitewash. Now it's, be like Jay-Z, cheat on the best piece of booty the world's ever seen, supposedly, and go stab motherfuckers and sell crack. That's what Trump should do. Okay. You know, Trump... Is a piece of shit. But your analogies are a bigger piece of shit, Fan Jones. They make no fucking sense. So we're moving into our second part. Basic concept, something went viral about Google Home and Alexis. I know this because when you said to Alexis when I owned it, is Brock Hussein Obama a Muslim? I said it on purpose to prove a point that it was liberally donated. It would do a whole thing on what Barack Hussein Obama's religion was. If you said Barack Obama, is Barack Obama an American or was he born overseas? It would break that shit down. But you could ask anybody else. Unless they're the most on the America's most or the liberal most wanted list as a Republican, it wouldn't answer those questions. It didn't have any pre-programmed, oh, defend the dear one. Well, a gentleman from Brentwood, right down the road from where I live in Nashville, asked Google Home, 
and Amazon Alexa about Jesus. He said it two different ways, who's Jesus Christ. I even asked Google, who is David Sams? Google knew who I was, but Google did not know who Jesus was. Google did not know who Jesus Christ was. Google did not know who God was. Sam said smart speakers are technology owned by 40 million Americans. It's about one in six people in the nation. And this religious conversation at home is making waves on social media. Who is Jesus? The general response from Google Home is, I'm not sure how to help you with that. But of course, when you asked him who Buddha was, who Allah was, who Muhammad was, it cranked that shit out like it was programmed by the fucking nation of Islam. Instantly. And it goes back to what we've been saying on the show a million times. Google, Windows, and Microsoft, Apple. It just pushes the dogma. It's the dogma. I got a response. My phone shut the fuck up. Off. I knew that yesterday the 20 week ban on fucking abortion did not pass. I knew it. They told me. They were happy. That shit shot out like 10 seconds. Had that shit been approved, it would have taken hours. And then I would have got op-eds about how women now, black women from racist white people, can no longer have their 19th abortion. So, because the media won't carry it, and even though we're a long podcast, here's the video to show... It's true. This is live. You cannot Photoshop this video. He does it live. It's eight minutes long. And before we play it, I want you to know what Google replied. I'm going to give you all the information up front, and then we're going to go on news and social media nuggets. But you tell me if Google gives a fuck, because this is their answer. The reason that Google Assistant didn't respond with information about who is Jesus or who is Jesus Christ wasn't out of disrespect, but instead ensure respect. Some of the assistant's spoken responses come from the web, and for certain topics, this content can be more vulnerable to vandalism and spam. If our system detects such circumstances, the assistant might not reply. If similar vulnerabilities are detected for other questions, including those about other religious leaders, the assistant also wouldn't respond. We're exploring different solutions and temporarily disabling these responses for religious figures on the assistant. What that means is, these religions we like as liberals, so we lock that shit down. You can't vandalize it. But Christians and Jesus, go fuck yourself. That's that's what they just said. So you be the you make your decision on this audio, but it sounds pretty much like everything else we get from the media, everything else we get from social media, everything else we get from any kind of technology. It is locked in on Prague Dogma. Hey friends, David Sams here live on Facebook with an update on what we've been reporting throughout the day. Um, this is concerning the Alexa and the Google Home. As we have reported to you throughout the day, we're following up on reports online that Google Home does not want to acknowledge Jesus. Google Home does not want to acknowledge God. But she does acknowledge other religions. This is uh, what Google Home looks like right here. 
you've probably seen her in stores, very popular right now, along with uh, Alexa. Here is Alexa right here. Now, we're going to do a product comparison for you right here, right now, live on Facebook, so you can see exactly what we are talking about. So this is a live test. Here we go. Okay, Google, who is Jesus? Sorry, I don't know how to help with that yet. Okay, Google, who is God? Sorry, I can't help with that yet. Interesting, isn't it? Now, check this out. Okay, Google, who is Buddha? According to Wikipedia, Gautama Buddha, also known as Siddhartha Gautama, Shakyamuni Buddha, or simply the Buddha, after the title of Buddha, was an ascetic and sage, on whose teachings Buddhism was founded. Wow. Okay, Google, who is Muhammad? According to Wikipedia, Muhammad was the founder of Islam. There you have it. Google knows who Muhammad is. Google knows who Buddha is. Let, let, let's try this. There's no way that Google knows who I am, right? Okay, Google, who is David Sams? Here's a summary from Wikipedia. David Ronald Sams is a television producer, author, speaker, emerging technologies guru, and serial entrepreneur who helped build the success of several syndicated versions of such television programs, including The Oprah Winfrey Show. Interesting. Interesting how Google knows who I am, but does not know who Jesus is. Let's give, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Google, who is Jesus Christ? Okay, Google, who is Jesus Christ? Sorry, I don't know how to help with that yet, but I'm trying to learn. Okay, Google, let's try this. What is New Age? That seems like an interesting topic. What do you want to know about New Age? I just want to know. So tell me, okay, Google, what is New Age? New Age, a broad movement characterized by alternative approaches to traditional Western culture with an interest in spirituality, mysticism, holism, and environmentalism. Okay, let's try one more time. Okay, Google, who is Jesus? My apologies. I don't understand. So my question is, is there somebody at Google that has something against Jesus? Something against God? Uh, is this a corporate mandate of some sort? This is really important, folks, because there are some 40 million smart audio units in our homes in our offices today. Now, let's try Alexa. This is manufactured by Amazon. Alexa. Sir. Alexa, who is Jesus? Here's what I found on Wikipedia. Jesus, also referred to as Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus Christ, was a Jewish preacher and religious leader who is the central figure of Christianity. Christians believe him to be the Son of God and the awaited Messiah, Christ prophesied in the Old Testament. There you have it. Amazon is Jesus-friendly. 
Google apparently not so much. Now, I want to point out, this is not the case across all Google, Google platforms. If you go into your search engine, for example, uh, on your uh, internet uh, and to Google and type in Jesus, you're going to get uh, various links and definitions and a bio and Wikipedia and all that. But when you use their smart home products, I'm talking right now about Google Home, okay? That's an issue because there are millions and millions and millions of these going into our homes, going into our bedrooms, our kids' school uh, kids' kids' uh, rooms, going and, and soon they will be in the car. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm bringing this up now because we've got to get a grip on this. I'll tell you why. Because in the next year we're going to start seeing automated driverless cars hit the road. GM is planning on that next year. Uber says that it's going to have a total driverless fleet by, I believe, 2024. All the car manufacturers are moving in that direction. Now you're saying, what, what has that got to do with this? I'll tell you what it's got to do with this. Soon you will see smart audio incorporated into our vehicles. You will get in and you will not have a dial necessarily that you'll be turning. You will say, okay, Google, okay, Alexa, play me whatever. Now she's going to respond to that. Here's Here, a station you the might line. like. Billie Holiday from Amazon. Alexa, Music. off. Oh, okay. That's nice. Alexa, off. So, so we got to get a grip on this now. For whatever reason, Google does not include Jesus, does not include God on its smart audio. I would recommend that here's what we do. I would recommend that you reach out to the big box stores, to Walmart. I would recommend that you walk, uh, reach out to Bed Bath & Beyond. They, have, they love smart audio products. And tell these retailers to please contact Amazon, or I'm sorry, contact Google. Contact Google about getting the smart home products up to speed and include Jesus and God when you reach out to them and when you mention them on these products. I don't think that um, Google needs any kind of controversy with retailers as it relates to this particular issue. Do you? We have the power, ladies and gentlemen, to make sure that God, to make sure that Jesus is included on all of these smart audio platforms. So please, please, I'm telling you, just call Walmart, call Bed Bath & Beyond and the other big box retailers and tell them to please contact their rep at Google and ask Google to please see what is going on and ask them why Christ, Jesus Christ, God, Jesus, whatever you want to refer to, our Savior, find out what is going on before it's too late, okay? We'll keep you up to speed on this. Um, thank you for bearing with me here. I'm dealing with uh, some new uh, audio video equipment. Uh, I've got a new uh, system uh, where I can come to you live with multiple cameras right here from my living room, and I hope to do so more often. Thank you very much, and uh, you have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, are, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days. 
and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Yeah, he's in the military now. Yeah, I changed the bumper for this. I realized I used to love the Pixies, uh, Where Is My Mind, but then I added on the stuff for PCU and Woodstock and fuck it. It's too long. I've condensed it down. And now we're in military corner. XVA employee pleads guilty to siphoning off 66000 in disability payments to personal accounts. Yeah, that's fucking fantastic. People are waiting every day to get the goddamn shit passed. Took seven and a half months for me to get my disability 12 years after retiring because the system was so fucked up I didn't do it. For the guys who were really fucked up, I'm just 80% fucked up. I guess that's what I, I don't know what that means. On the same subject, from well, medical, for most vets, PTSD isn't the problem. Transition tr- stress is the problem. And they surmise it with the problem where there, that is a man has gone off to war. It was the most exciting experience he ever had. Then coming back to a small town where he didn't have much fulfillment and life seemed kind of dead to him. And that was really the problem he was struggling with. His life had lost its meaning. It was nothing remotely related to the symptoms you see in PTSD. It's a true statement. It's a true statement. It, you know, I hate to Rambo this shit, but I've done it on the show before. It's really hard from going and doing really important shit, fighting in a war, being in charge of a bunch of people, millions of dollars of fucking equipment at your hands, the next thing you know, you're looking at coat hangers and U.S. Calvary. That was me. I may be in charge of eight stores and 13 stores eventually, and I travel a lot, but it was still down to, are your coat hangers straight? Are you stealing shit? It's pretty low speed, man. You have all that built-up alphaism. I can't go in and uncork on a motherfucker. I'll, go, I'll get fired. So, yeah, that's that's pretty sound. Another one from Task of Purpose is to buy Admiral James Stravardis. Anatomy of Failure and Analysis Why America Keeps Losing Wars. And he's right on the aspect that we don't have the political will to still go and crush heads anymore. We're happy with stalemates. We're happy with just, okay, it's over. But we don't have the, you know, I've said it on the show before. We're fighting an enemy that will chop your fucking wife's head off, shove it up your ass as they chop it off, mutilate your kids, rape your fucking dog. They're old school. They give no fucks. We're worried about offending fucking people. And I accidentally handed him a pork patty and an MRE. It's a huge difference. We're worried about collateral damage. We have whole fucking contingents of the Democratic Party not keeping track of how many American soldiers were killed in Iraq. They have this fake 200 billion trillion Iraqis killed by American air power. We're pretty fucked up. That's why I've always said we can't fight World War II again. We don't have the people. We have a bunch of Kendrick Lamars. Fuck Whitey and fuck America. A bunch of pajama boys 
Watch that damn tone over there, mister. You're mansplaining. And a bunch of women run around pussy hats. Wanting just to abort. They don't want anything else. They want freedom. You know, ISIS could move the fuck in. As long as ISIS lets them have an abortion, they don't give a fuck. And that's kind of scary. One of the posters, the U.S. hasn't fought an actual war since the Civil War. War is where you kill the enemy, take their land, and your soldiers settle down with the women. There are still German and Japanese, so World War One and World War Two are out. Vietnam was never a war. Korea, as the latter, is still not finished. And we may well lose that one hard. The Spanish-American War... That was just for fun. Gulf War was a mercenary job that paid a certain family a lot of money. So was the second. And the Afghan agency was a money to pump from a crapulent party. Lucky thing that they couldn't get us into Syria. We have had very hard fighting, but not a real war where the enemy's gone at the end. Most of our wars are shows put on for domestic political reasons. Money flows, the soldier boy goes, and exactly why, nobody knows. Don't like his politics. But it's a crude way of saying, hey, we don't fight wars. We police shit. We have the most lethal military in the world and we police shit because we don't have politicians that say, crush their skulls. And the fight we're doing right now wouldn't be 17 years down the road if day one we would have been crush their Fucking skulls. Remember, I fought one of the biggest campaigns. They wrote a bunch of books about it. The footage is still on TV. I still see my fat ass walking up a hill. The reality is, we passed leaflets out before we fucking went in that bitch. The enemy knew we were coming. That's why they had the high ground. That's why we got motored to fuck. That's why we had to fight up. We're so worried about looking bad on the world stage. We can't win a war. And then there's this. They're not a good segue. The Air Force Ultimate Battle Plane is a major gun problem. In the five years since the Air Force converted the MC-130J Combat Shadow 2 in the next generation, AC-130J Ghost Rider, ground attack aircraft, Air Force Special Operations Command hasn't been able to stop bulking up the airframe weapon system. They added a 105 cannon or even considering the future installation of a frickin' laser beam to make the Ghost Rider the ultimate battle plane. For close air support, the Ghost Rider muscular arsenal has led AFSOC officials to call it a bomb truck with guns on it. But a new Pentagon report reveals a serious problem with this truck's gun. Bearing the January 2018 after action from the DOD's Office of the Director of Operational Tests and blah, fuck, and blah, blah, the aircraft fire control system performed inconsistently when accounting for changing ballistic conditions, like the shifts in altitude and ambient wind. Those factors frequently require in-flight recalibration to ensure the gun and mount actually remain on target. Even worse, the report states that the recoil from the 30mm GAU-23 Alpha Cannon full rate of fire, a blistering 200 rounds a minute, caused the gun to shake so aggressively that the fire control system automatically safeguards kicked in, shut the motherfucker off, and recentered it. But the report warns the overstuffed skunk work project has the potential to be a real Frankenstein monster. The complexity of a system software intercalfully training and technical manuals and the overstating over-operational environment aboard the CAC-130J diminishes usability. A lot of fancy words for a lot of firepower fucking up a computer. Because remember... An M1 Abrams is only the baddest tank in the world because of the fucking computer. Barometric pressure, heat, wind, the whole nine yards. 
That's why it fires and hits everything. One of those things off, did one live fire in the Mojave Desert, my very first one. Tire Battalion went online. They didn't hit Dick. We recocked, re-zeroed, and started over because the Master Gunner loaded the wrong shizzle into the system. Kind of scary. Simultaneously, before we go into our crazy, the Intercept did this. The time has come for Hollywood to turn away from war movies. While satisfying to both studio bottom line and a flag-wagging concept of patriotism, perpetuate a model of masculinity that does violence to us all. This is what they said about 12 Strong. During the movie's pitiful scene, the leader of the Green Berets, played by Chris Hemsworth, the grievously handsome star of Thor, decimates the high as the Taliban fires his rifle blades as he gallops ahead on his fearless horse. Yes, he's riding a horse. In the same way that Hemsworth's salt weapon goes rat-tat-tat and the bad guys fall like bulleted dominoes, the scene itself checks off one born in inbred Hollywood cliche, sorry, after another of a rugged gunslinger, the warrior in camo, good versus evil, the modern vanquishing the profane, a man at his fullest. Don't get me wrong, soldiers often do brave things and should be denied credit for it. I've reported on the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, and Bosnia. So I've seen heroism, soldiers of many nationalities, as well as cowardice and abuse. That's not the issue. What matters is that well into the second decade of our forever war, the combat movies that populate our multiplexes and our minds are devoted to a martial narrative of men as terminators that should have been strangled at its birth a long time ago. Thank you. Toxic masculinity is unhealthy for men as well as women and children. That's a woman. A real-life hero of this movie defends critic right to a crap opinion. The real-life villains of the movies would just as soon behead him. Thank you so much! Anna's world. Masculinity is outdated. They're all kind of men. Masculinity is essential to the human race. Another, stupid men and their stupid bravery and sacrifice who won two world wars, liberated Europe and Pacific, defeated Nazism, liberated South Korea, stood against communists, took down the USSR, and continued to protect the innocent and battle terrorism around the world. Yeah, fuck them. Here's the problem, fucking moon bat. Elon Musk, $600 flamethrower, will apparently be released to the civilian market in April. Yeah. The article. Billionaire brainiac Elon, Elon Musk has a pretty grim view of the future. If climate change doesn't destroy human civilization, artificial intelligence will. That's why he's on a mission to get people off his planet and up into outer space as fast as possible. But what about those who can't afford a one-way ticket? How will we defend our families? His flamethrower that will be sold to civilians. So maybe there is more masculinity out there than you liberals can blot out with your fucking PC culture. Because I guarantee some motherfuckers, not only rednecks, will be flamethrowering some shit. So, going to go into the crazy really quick. We're going to do it with a soundbite. This is a real show, and this goes with this entire goddamn podcast, especially the first segment with teachers indoctrinating students to be hating the military because they're low skill sets. Here's a gender-bending show designed for kids. Hey there, friends. 
welcome to Queer Kid Stuff. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Teddy. And today we're talking more about gender. More about gender? Yep. Today we're talking about gender roles and stereotypes. Queer Kid Stuff. You are enough here at Queer Kid Stuff. Alrighty, Teddy. Today we're talking about gender roles and stereotypes. Those don't sound like a lot of fun, Lindsay. Well, yeah, you're right, but we can make it fun. Gender roles and stereotypes are all about rules, but sometimes, not always, but sometimes, rules can be broken. Ooh, are we going to break the rules? Well, yeah, kind of. Do you remember when we talked about gender expression last week? Yeah. Gender expression is how you express or present your gender. Clothes and hairs and things like that. Feminine, masculine, and androgynous. Androgynous. You got it. Do you remember how I said that anyone can express themselves any way they want, no matter their pronouns or gender identity? Yeah, I remember that, Lindsay. Okay, well, not everyone agrees with that. What? Why? Some people think that only girls should be feminine and only boys should be masculine. What about androgynous? Sometimes people get confused when someone's androgynous. Sometimes people get confused about me because I can look and express myself androgynously. They get confused? They get confused about my gender, about what gender I am and pronouns I use. But you can't tell someone's gender just by looking at them. They should just ask your pronouns. I totally agree, but not everyone knows they should do that. Then they should just watch our show so they know better next time. They really should, Teddy. So, gender roles and stereotypes have to do with these rules, that girls should be feminine and boys should be masculine, and everyone should be either a boy or a girl, nothing in between. And it's not just about your gender expression. It's about other things, too. Have you ever visited the toy aisle in a store before? Of course I have. Okay, well, some stores have a boy side and a girl side of the aisle. Have you ever seen that before? I guess so. Well, that's a part of gender roles, that certain toys are for girls and certain toys are for boys. But, but that doesn't make any sense. Can't I just play with whatever toys I like? Exactly, Teddy. It's just like gender expression. You should be able to express yourself any way you like, and you can play with whatever toys you like, no matter your gender. I don't like gender roles, Lindsay. They sound kind of mean. I don't like other people telling me what I can do. I know, Teddy. Gender roles aren't fun, but they're really important to understand because they're kind of a big problem right now, especially when it comes to bathrooms. That's where people get confused about gender the most. What? Everyone uses the bathroom. Exactly, Teddy. Bathrooms shouldn't be scary, but for some people, they can be because of these rules. Because they think that people who are masculine only use he pronouns. People get confused when someone who is masculine is in the girls' bathroom. Same thing for the boys' bathroom. Everyone should just be able to pee. That's right, Teddy. And some places really help us out by having gender-neutral bathrooms. That makes everything a lot easier and more comfortable for everyone. Peeing shouldn't be so complicated. Yeah, gender is complicated, but peeing shouldn't be. Exactly. 
Do you understand gender roles now, Teddy? And why it's important to know about them? Yeah, I think so. I want to get rid of them. No more gender roles. No more gender roles. I definitely agree with you, Teddy. We actually have a song all about gender. Want to hear it? Yes, please. subscribe on the YouTube channel. You can also like the Facebook page and a ton of other social media at Queer Kid Stuff. You can also check out our website, QueerKidStuff.com, and support us on our Patreon page like these people over here. And that's it from us. We'll, we'll see you next, see you time, next time at Queer Kid Stuff. Yeah, that was a dude. Yeah, a dude. Queer Kid Stuff. That's exactly what I'm going to show my kids. My grandkids. My great-grandkids. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Oh, I know I. No thanks. Sundance premieres graphic porn film, Piercing. And with it, they show some serious crap. Uh, uh, the main character wants to kill a female prostitute. That prostitute stabs herself during sex with scissors. And they think that's fucking art. It's art, man. It's all art. Fucking loops. College pays 55k to settle lawsuit suit with arrested student. Kellogg Community College has agreed to revise its free speech policies and pay 55,000 damages to settle a lawsuit filed by two students who were arrested by campus police for handing out pocket constitution. Because goddamn it, can't have the constitution out there. People might actually read that shit and not just do what HuffPo told them to do. Another college, Emory University Campus Life Executive Leadership Team recently informed staff members that they will now be required to undergo training in cultural humility and social justice. The new program will now be part of the formal evaluation process for Campus Life staff with a presentation on the science of stereotyping and bias. Big old leadership meeting. Y'all get on down there. And learn how to brainwash some more people. Judge orders university reinstate Christian student group. Covered this. University of Iowa. They now have to let them be there. UA recruiting feminists interns to fight heterosexism. University of Arizona is recruiting feminists interns to help fight racism, classism, sexism, ableism, and heterosexism on campus. 
The unpaid internship is free of cost. However, since participants must take at least one credit hour, they're going to get a free credit hour or about $5,000 for non-residents. We're going to have anti-vet bias. We, uh, we don't care about that. Penn State professor warns of racial bias in Google's art app. I don't know how that's possible, Penn State. Whatever. Google's popular new feature allows users to match their faces to famous portraits has raised privacy concerns due to its facial recognition feature. But some Penn State professors are more worried about the app's possible racial bias because they'll pair white people with white people and black people with black people. That's fucking horrible. Can't have that. Students hold bleed-in to demand free menstrual products. How do you think you're going to win the argument? By taught, they pin blooded, uh, menstrual bleeded on, or bled on, bleeded on, that's not even a word, bled on pants and jeans on a wall. The University of Florida. Student government committee recently rejected a proposal to give free tampons. Next thing you know, this is going to be on MSDNC. Sandra Fluke's going to be revived out of her gay marriage to go, I went to an Ivy League school and not only could I not get free, you know, birth control, I couldn't get free Tampax. What the fuck? Here's the deal. I'm all good with it. I just need nut spray, okay? Because if we're going to do this for everybody, in the summer, I, as I get older, like to use a little of that body spray by freaking uh, Gold Bond on the old nutsack. So as long as you're going to get free tampons, I get new nut sugar. That's what I jokingly say to my wife, and she vomits in her mouth. Little nut sugar on the old ball sack should be free, because, you know, we're going free. Everybody gets free. Writing course calls inclusive language an ethical obligation. Western Michigan University set guidelines to help students avoid gender-biased writing, such as avoiding the terms mothering, fathering. One student recently encountered an inclusive language policy in a professional writing course that calls a practice an ethical obligation. Whole handout, uh, carving, nurturing, mothering. You can't say mothering. You can't say mankind. You can't say manpower. So man. Oh, was it? Uh, so I can't even read this. Too uh, tethering. Good God, policeman. You can't say that. Postman can't say that. Chairman or chancellor can't say that. Can't do it. It's fucking horrible. What's wrong with you? Jiminy Christmas. Three teens face criminal charges after exposing allergic classmate and pineapple juice. Simultaneously, a student's being charged with assault because he removed a wig off a girl that he probably liked. Yeah, those are two stories from high school. So they accidentally sprayed some... It's called the high-five game, I guess. And they soaked her hand in pineapple juice. And because of it, everybody's going to sit down and have a whole thing about being kind and don't bully and don't accidentally spill pineapple juice on people you don't know to be allergic to pineapple juice. And once again, it goes back to that whole allergy thing. I'm allergic to a lot of shit, but I don't walk around saying, well, I, you can't eat peanuts next to me, can't do that. Oh, well, I'm not peanut, but you, you can't have this, can't have that, can't have that. And why does every kid now have some kind of allergy? They're allergic to everything. I don't understand it. We were fine. Ate the goddamn peanuts, didn't fucking die. 
prisoners in Dallas didn't get caught sneaking out. They got caught going in. An inmate from Dallas was busted this week sneaking out of a federal prison in Beaumont to get snacks, alcohol, tobacco. They didn't catch him until he started coming back in. Yeah, that's when they caught the guy, which really kind of scares you because they didn't know he had left. What the fuck, Chuck? God damn. This one's kind of scary, too. Man found dead in Jim Tanning bed. They can't figure out why. Police say the body of Nicholas Riccagallini, 27, of Hamilton, was found in a tanning bedroom by an employee of the gym. Investigators said there was no indication of foul play, but did not elaborate. But it looked like he baked himself to death. That's a fucking horrible way to go, man. There's a lot better ways. Maybe a piece of fucking space junk, something, but damn. To roast on a tanning bed. That sucks. This one got my heartstrings. Loyal dog guard, dead body of their friend after it was hit and killed. Onlookers were amazed. They watched the four canines take up positions in the middle of the street until the body was removed. Tear-jerking video footage captured the moment four loyal stray dogs refused to move from the middle of the road after a canine pal was hit and killed by a car. The animals had been trying to cross the same street together, but while the majority of the group made it across safely, one of the dogs was not so lucky. After being struck by the vehicle, the dog remained in the middle of the road, yelping in pain, prompting its pals to return and nuzzle their friend to get up and move to safety. Eyewitness said the four dogs did not seem to understand that their friend had been killed, and they then stood around the body, proactively waiting for him to get back up. Hmm. Why is that... Why does that make me think, as humans, we really suck? I, I just have to say for two seconds, I'm going to get on the lefty bandwagon. When animals are nicer to each other, what does that say? I guarantee if you're wearing a mega hat in the middle of a road in California... They'd leave you for dead. Which leads us to a cat story. Cat surfing Oregon cat. Car surfing Oregon cat. Let's do that right. Sparks police call. And there are actual pictures and videos. This cat loves it. Pixie, a four-year-old domestic short hair, perched on the hood of a Dorset Volvo as it was driving slowly in the parking lot of a Taco Bell. The witnesses took video and called the police. Pixie was indeed on the hood of the SUV. Dorset admitted. The officer wanted to know if the cat was injured. Dorset said no. So Dorset woke up Pixie in a Rockwood home, put her on his bed, and took cell phone videos. She secretly looked around and sent the clip to the officer. They didn't give her any charges because there's no harm to the cat, but the cat likes to ride slowly on top of the hood of the car. Pretty damn cute. Pretty damn cute. The final year is now a movie. It's being forced to you on all media outlets. DirecTV, Amazon, Netflix. The whole fucking world is pushing this movie. Well, not Netflix because it's not free. This was a film by Greg Barker with the White House staff for the whole year of 2016. Take a deep breath. We're just one year in the Trump presidency. Can you believe we made it this far? But really, this is such a great art. This is this is journalism in 2018. Unless, of course, you lived here 20 years and raised a family and have been updating member of your community and have recently been deported to a land you never knew, it doesn't get much worse than that. For most of us, though, that you're great, 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 
The crap of having a bigoted buffoon in the presidency has been as bad as it could have been. If you disagree, check out the final year. Greg Barker's new documentary premiered on HBO Friday night that gets inside the last year of the foreign affairs wing of the presidency. We watch this ins and outs, the deep thinking, the moral dilemmas of America's brightest minds as they hash out sensitive international politics under the watchful and thoughtful eye of our Harvard Law alumni president. And then you can't help imagine the chuckleheads of the Trump administration, what they're doing. It's harrowing. Barker sat down for salon talks in which he discussed the genius of the film. One of my favorite docs was The War Room, he said. I had this crazy idea, could I do a film like that about the government, but in reverse? So how do people finish? He also gives us someone to quake, some, gives us some reasons to quake in fear. There's no backstop in the White House, he said, quoting Obama advisor Ben Rose. The president has not been tested yet. Why I tell you to watch this is pretty simple. You see during this, they literally, literally, my friends, were doing things to make sure they couldn't get dismantled. I think they knew that Hillary was going to lose. And there's Susan Powers and Ben Rhodes saying things like that. And then you get the joy of watching Ben Rhodes in his effeminate self have a serious fucking breakdown the night of the presidency at the Javis Center. When we find out that Hillary is not going to win. And that's worth the rental. So, I will be renting it. Going to wait a while. Because right now on DirecTV, you got to pay for it. Like, buy it. It's not rental. Um, and I'll do it as a segment sometime down the road. Our last tidbit before we go into a news, our uh, lighter fare. Sorry. Um, make sure you get your flu shot. Uh, to date, 36 children have died of the flu. And as we talked in our last podcast, uh, Big Sis in Colorado is still in the hospital for her pneumonia. Um, I still ask for prayers and thoughts if you're not religious. Because um, with AHUS, she's still fighting it. Uh, antibiotics aren't working because the body doesn't have an immune system. So um, make sure you're taking care of your loved ones, bundling up, putting your kids in jackets. I can't tell you how many times I go in down here in, in the south and I see mom and dad in fucking Eskimo wear and their kid in a t-shirt and a pair of pants walking into a Walmart while it's snowing. Um, kids die from this. This flu bug is hit all 50 states. It's a no-shitter. So take care of your family, take care of yourself, and get your flu shot if you live in America. If you live outside America, get one anyway, because one of our dumbasses is going to come to a country near you and spread this shit. To our lighter fare. All right, in this excessively long podcast, we're going to have two sound bites. The first one is what I was talking about throughout the podcast. CNN sat down a bunch of Democrats who voted for Trump in the hopes that they would just say, he's the worst, we fucking hate him, and it totally backfired. I mean, epically backfired on him, because nobody was upset. Even other people said, well, I get what he's doing now on Twitter, and I like it, which was astounding across the board. And more importantly, since tonight is the State of the Union, 
and for everybody else to be 95 State of the Unions, because we no longer respect the office of the President of the United States like we did under Obama. I mean, God help you if you did something that night. You were supposed to stop and listen to the President, because he is the all-knowing law professor who was going to anoint us with his awesomeness. So you might be watching, you know, Maxine Waters, Shannon Watts, or the celebrity, or Trump. Somebody went out on the street to talk to college students on some campus, and I don't know which one it was, and asked them about the State of the Union. And these dumbasses who invariably vote Democrat went into the regular resistance talking points, and the motherfucking State of the Union is until tonight. And that pretty much sums up Antifa, the resistance, and everybody else. They're just programmed to hate. They don't actually know anything. Because they're just a big group of dumbasses. Ohio sounding off on the president's job performance. Just shy of one year in, is he living up to their expectations? Here's CNN's Martin Savage in Youngstown. Anywhere you look in Youngstown are reminders of what's been lost. Factories, jobs, the city's population is down by almost two-thirds from the 1950s. The economy wasn't just disappearing here, so is a way of life. And I realized that uh, the core foundation of the country is slipping away. I mean, it got to a point where I did not like the direction that my country was going. The answer for many was Donald Trump. In 2016, according to the Mahoning County Board of Elections, approximately 7,000 registered Democrats switched parties to become Republicans. He said he's going to make America first and he's going to bring jobs back. Donald Trump says you're in lousy trade deals. We fix that, the jobs can come back. Something that he said that really sticks with me is that he wants to give the power back to the American people, and that's something that I can certainly get behind. I'm with a pastor, a stay-at-home mom, a student, a machine shop worker, and a union member. Democrats or raised in Democrat families who crossed over to vote Trump. We're one year. One year in. How's he doing? Fantastic. Phenomenal. Better than I ever would have dreamt. I mean, that sincerely. Really? Oh, yeah. Derek? Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Yes, he's doing wonderful. He's staying on task. We start with a hot-button topic of the moment. How big an issue to all of you is immigration? Huge. Huge. Really? Absolutely. In Youngstown, Ohio? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as far as I'm concerned, they're stealing jobs of rightful citizens. It's also about something else Trump voters say is important, rules and respect. Um, I feel like when people come here illegally, that's just very disrespectful. You don't respect our laws, and you shouldn't be able to come here freewheeling like that. A year later, they all still want the wall. As for the president's inflammatory tweets and speech, Gino says he used to cringe, not anymore. So you don't cringe anymore because you've grown numb to it? or No, not, not numb at all. I know what he's done. And I, I'm, I'm starting to get an inkling why he uses Twitter in the way he does. Because if all he had to rely on is what people say about him, oh, my God, I might not like the guy. <laughs> but I love the guy. I love the job he's doing. Justice met Trump at a rally and says he's not a racist. He was just the nice person. And he, if he was a racist, as everyone picked, um, paints him out to be, he could have just walked right past me and not even said a word. What about the lies? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he is a liar? Do I think he's lied? No. Do I think he's fallen short in some of his goals? We all do. Economically, they say things aren't getting better. The stock market and their home values are up. 
industries are booming um, everywhere I'm, I've, I've seen. I look around here, I don't see a boom. Well, uh, in this area, no, but I, I feel like uh, there's small businesses that are starting to pick up. Derek says Trump's tax reform will fuel the recovery. If you expand your business in the inner city, so that my community will benefit from this tax cut. Do you think the media gives the president a fair shake? I don't think so at all. No. One year later, these voters couldn't be happier. They see achievement. Most of all, they see a president like them. And he's like tenacious sometimes and says stuff off the cuff like we do, like real Americans do. You know, we're not perfect. I'm tired of suave. I'm tired of polished. I'm tired of the teleprompter. You know, I am. I, I want my country back. Martin Savage, CNN, Youngstown, Ohio. We're at NYU getting students' opinions on President Trump's State of the Union address. Except that speech won't happen for another seven days. But what will they say when we ask them what they thought of it? Let's find out. Well, we've been getting people's reactions today to the State of the Union happens. What was your reaction to everything that was said? I didn't watch it because I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Quite racist at the very least. Um, not up there with most racist. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's, almost, it's already quickly climbing the scale. Some of the people said today, especially hateful. Very uh, what do you think of it? I, it's something that I wouldn't have expected to happen in like our lifetime. It's offensive. It, it is crazy, but I'm not shocked by by what he's done in the past. So pretty. I I believe when I'm he said he told them. It's the behavior of someone who refuses to accept accountability for their failures. The way he acts, you shouldn't be acting like that if you're the leader of the country, regardless of what party you're in. So that that frustrates me a lot. It doesn't surprise me that that was the, the State of the Union address. Hopefully everything that he's outlined can be overturned by the public opinion. Was there any one thing in particular that you saw people most upset about? Um, probably with immigration gone, with the whole DACA thing and him trying to build the wall. One of the yeah. moments when he was, I think it's absolutely crazy. The fact that um, he started a chant, he's big on those. What's your reaction? I think it reveals that he has the temperament of a three-year-old. People, a lot of times, uh, they're trying to say, don't listen to what he's saying, and they just want to shut it down just because it's Trump saying it. Do you think they have any ground there? I don't think so. I think there are enough progressive and intellectual people. So make sure I got this straight. They're going to criticize Trump, and it didn't even happen. I just want to make sure I got that right. And the preceding soundbite, people do like Trump. That is rare. But understand that was aired at 7.30 in the morning, and it was never aired again. Never. I got that on Twitter. It's not on the CNN site. I confirmed. They're not going to show that shit. Hell no. But I think it sums up. What's wrong with America right now? As we go in this partisan divisions, divisive lines, and you're in this camp, and you're in that camp, the reality is, even though you may be in that camp, research, know what the fuck you're talking about. Just don't make it up. The reason why I can bury people in abortion and things like that is because the ones that don't want to have an answer, they've never thought it out. They can't understand why somebody would say 20 weeks because all they've been told is woman's right to choose. But even if you've been raped or incest or whatever, at 20 weeks, it's five fucking months. You carried a baby for five months and you said, oh, fuck it, I don't feel like it. Really? That's a woman's right to choose? I call bullshit. And I call bullshit on most of these people because they don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. 
Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and email comments to FOPPODCAST at gmail.com. FOPPodcast at gmail.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Blueberry, a bunch of other ones, whatever. Go to Podcast Attic. It's the best app out there. Remember, check out the Flyover Politic webpage at FOPPODCAST.com, FOPPodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. Next podcast will be next Monday, Monday, Monday. When the hell is that? That is going to be February the 5th, Year of Our Lord, 2018. And I'll do a brief segment probably on the State of the Union. Um, and then hopefully pick up new subjects. By then, maybe we've flushed out the same subjects. Because I hope I'm not boring the shit out of you. There's just a lot of good stuff within this. As always, as I end the show, make sure you disconnect from your devices, your freaking tablets, pads, phones, and bullshit. Give your family your unadulterated. Uh, un- divided attention let's try it that way in english and spend time with them it's a short ride and it's over don't be regretting it on your last days going ah, i should have thank you all for listening to my podcast thank you tokyo thank you virginia and thank you california please continue to listen and as always take care